Hello, and welcome to episode 195 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me for mm-hmm. a ways, the man, the myth, the minstrel, and that's five descriptors of Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. A handshake is available upon request. <laughs> on this week's episode, <laughs> I'm so glad that we're going to get to talk about that. <laughs> on this week's episode, we got trailers, a terrible choice, major SNL departures, phallic flowers, uh, which the autocorrect turned into phallic flowers, uh, acolyte update, because it was like, surely you didn't mean <laughs> no, phallic what, flowers. What, when you say phallic, do you mean like phallic acid or like, <laughs> yeah. like follicle of hair? <laughs> phallic acid. All before diving into our flick of the week, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we are drinking Southern Tier Brewing Company's live session, session pale ale. Um, unfortunately, Southern Tier tends to be a little skimpy on the details on their beers, but, uh, this is 5.5% alcohol by volume. Unfortunately, it's only 12 ounces. It's got a sweet little microphone on the side to I do. I do like that microphone. Live session. It's classy. Rendered in great detail. Um, it's brewed and canned by Southern Tier Brewing Company in Lakewood, New York. We've done several seven tiers on the show. I, I dig the brewery. I think they're a good, solid brewery. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Um, obviously, of pumpkin fame for sure. those in the wider world. Um, but I've probably had, I don't know, 10 or 15 of their beers over the years. I've had a bunch of the seasonals, the ones that are permanent or semi-permanent. I dig it. They make solid beer. Yeah, they're, they're pretty consistent. Um... I feel like there's, there's, no, I haven't had one that's been like, oh my god, but I've not had a like a like they're, yes, like a consistent good beer. Yeah, they're they're all around they're consistently like six and a half to seven out of ten. Yeah, which is great, which is fun. That's great. Yeah. Do your thing. Um, before we get into this, that microphone on the side, just a quick aside here. The I, I like a, a good microphone mm-hmm. that you know captures well, um, reduces some outside noise, like just. I feel like our microphones do a pretty decent job of this. Uh, way back when I was looking for mics, and I started going down like just this ridiculous rabbit hole of what is out there and what they—I don't even—it—it's exhausting. <laughs> the, yes. the whole audio, everything is—I—I I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I also don't hear very well. So it's just not for me. Whereas, uh, like visual fidelity, struggles. I'm very much about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have the uh, the double whammy of not having great eyesight nor having great hearing. Although, in both cases, it's like very selective. Like some things, like I have incredible like attention to detail. Like when I'm driving, I see everything that's going on. I feel like I'm sure, you know, field of view. But I cannot read road signs honestly from like afar. Really? Yeah. Like like I had no idea. No, I mean, like, if I'm on the highway, I can read, like, those. But, like, dr- like, sh- like streets, I struggle yeah. with that until I get, like, fairly close sometimes. Okay. Um, but, like, I'm not going to hit anyone. Like, I see everyone and everything yeah, yeah. in fine detail. It's just, like, like I can see that the road sign is there. I just can't always see the <laughs> words on it until yeah. I get closer. There is a sign there that needs to convey something to me. <laughs> I just don't More know what it's trying to convey. Yeah. <laughs> um, same thing with hearing. So, sometimes, you know, I will be talking to someone face-to-face, and I just flat out the words haven't gotten into my brain and, like, disassembled into my brain to be functional as words for me to yeah. recognize. And, and yet, there are times when I am, like, a football field away, and it feels like I can hear people in clear detail. It's like, yeah, that's so what, what is going on here? <laughs> 
I definitely, um, I definitely find it easier to understand what people are saying when I'm looking at them. Oh uh, yeah. Cause you so start like, to naturally lip. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's crazy. Uh, eyesight weirdly, like I feel like my eyes should probably be bad, right? By all accounts, all of the staring at screens that I do, um, for my entire life, my eyesight is tremendous and I just never had an issue. Yeah. It's very bizarre. My problem is like one eye is like kind of farsighted and one eye is kind of nearsighted. So mm. together they work. So in you conjunction. need a monocle. <laughs> I, I guess I probably could get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, also astigmatism that um, sure. is inconsistent for me. So it's well, I'll drink to that. Cheers. <laughs> I'll drink to astigmatism. <laughs> Cheers. You muted yourself. <laughs> I did. I, I don't understand. Last week I got a great clink. Yeah, this time it was just a thud. It was a thud and the sound went off. That more had to do with where you struck it. <laughs> I, I stand by what I said. Solid. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 <laughs> what a consistent beard. <laughs> what a consistent beard. <laughs> I will go... Um, I don't know what I'm, what I'm tasting. Did you say what was in here? Or did it not have much about that? No, that zero details thing, right? as always. Yeah, um, it tastes like liquid. <laughs> but no, I mean, there is something that kind of I noticed like bloomed on the palate as mm-hmm. it settled. The, something very fresh. Like that's the the thing that I like denotes to me is very fresh. It's weirdly like, um, kind of like the rind of some sort of citrus fruit. I can see that. That's what, or either that or like the rind of a like a watermelon. Um, there's like, cause like the, the, it almost feels like the bitterness is not like hoppy as much as it is like like pithy from a fruit like that. Uh, but it's I, I could get some of that. I get some of that after effect on my tongue of like the way that like after you like chew on some grapefruit or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I like it. Yes, not as hoppy as I would have thought. I mean, it's a pale ale, not an IPA, but still, mm. it's not super hoppy. It's nice, and I think it's, it's... well balanced. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because like, I feel like it's super crisp when it hits your lips. Yes. And then dries out all the way down. Very interesting. I, I dig it. I'm going to go two thuckles on this one. I think that's the right call. Um, I dig the color. It's um, light golden in color. Nice, crisp, and clear. Mm-hmm. It, had, it had some pretty excellent head retention. I had a thick batch of... Yeah, mine's still chilling. It's on the side of my glass. Hey, we found them. I was right. It was hiding in the foam, but against the side <laughs> of the glass. <laughs> um, Look at you. <laughs> f- final note on the beer. Uh, hmm. I dig the can art. Simple, but kind of fun. Yep. Simple yet effective. Little, like, swirls, spirals. I guess that's supposed to be sound waves, right? Like old school radio sound waves. I would assume. Okay. So it's like as if the sound is coming off the microphone. I would have I maybe adjusted where the, like... And made that actually what's happening, but that's kind yeah, of what I get out of it because it looks like it's coming out of the logo in the center instead. Yeah, uh, it, the, it reminds me of like the it's got to be like the radio waves from like old school cartoons, you know, where like they would have it like yep. when like you would see like a radio sitting on someone's desk and the the speaker would start seeing those waves emitting to let you know that someone was speaking from inside of the radio. Yeah, <laughs> classic, classic poll. Oh man, uh, yeah, right on. Good, good stuff. Something to you. I'll dig it. I uh, I could see. I don't know. This is gonna sound like I'm ragging on the beer, but ragging on it, but I'm not. Um, occasionally, I remember like back in the day when we used to socialize. Uh, that like going to a bar and them not having like a tremendous selection, but they have like 
one or two beers that are not like Budweiser. And it's like, well, by default, I will be grabbing that. And I feel like in some of the places, in a lot of the places that I have been when I was in the city that were like that, it was um, like Lagunitas IPA was like, what was like probably like the better thing that you can grab. A little um, something, something, right? Yeah. And this reminds me of like that kind of beer where I could see like they don't have much else on tap, but this is not offensive <laughs> and it's there and I could drink this a few like a few of these while we're playing some darts or having some extra wings delivered. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's Southern Tier is definitely one of those sorts of beers like was it the two time IPA, right? Like that's definitely mm. one that you find on a on a two handle like type of bar. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get it. I do. You get it. I painted a picture. Um, and, and you saw it vividly, and I appreciate so, so, that. Suffice to say, I'm picking up what you're putting. I take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Going out. Crazy. Uh, Al, you want to get in some news and nuggets? Absolutely. All right, so why don't you kick me off with some trailers? Okay. Well, let's start with the one that's freshest in your mind, which is the ah, second one you yes. watched 90 seconds before we started recording. I did. Um, so this the the second trailer of Thor: Love and Thunder. I guess this is technically right. the first official. The first one was a teaser, although that word is really s- like ceased to mean anything now because that was like a two minute long teaser. Yeah, that's that's weird. Um, yeah, so this one, I, I, surely I'm starting to get better at retaining things. So I think maybe going forward, I'll remember things that we talk about in previous episodes. My, my I think my mental capacity is 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 coming back. However. I do not recall knowing that Christian Bale is in this movie. <laughs> well, it was long rumored when this movie was first getting cast, but that was in the time of like the start of the pandemic where like, oh, who even knows when this movie is going to get made type of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't blame you for forgetting because okay, fr- so frankly, not, there I'm hasn't been a lot of, yeah, frankly, there hasn't been a lot of talk about this movie other than the Natalie Portman stuff for the right. last year and a half. But yeah, it was a big deal when Russell Crowe and uh, Christian Bale were added as part of this cast. Um, right. But it was okay. like two years okay. ago. So cool. All right, that that makes me feel better. Uh, the character looks bonkers. That's pretty cool. I I don't know anything about. It was it Gore? It's Gore the God Butcher. Yes. Uh, so that's that'll be fun. I always wonder, as you know, we're a thousand movies into the MCU at this point. So like, I always curious about like. I don't know, what kind of villain are you going to be able to throw at me this time? <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, okay, a very specific one. And I was like, I think that'll work. <laughs> because yeah. it's always it's all too grand in like the previous movies. And now it's kind of like, it seems like narrowing focus. Um, which should make it a little bit more uh, you know, like directed at our protagonist. So it could be it could be cool, especially if they're bringing in his first love. Um back as another Thor, and I'm sure there's going to be some worrying there of it's this creature monster thing going to kill her, <laughs> and vice versa, so that'll be fun. I also wonder, you know, I think this might be a classic case of trailer misdirection. You know, mm. my suspicion is this is going to be one of those... Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I know there's a million movies that have done stuff like this, and yet I'm failing to think. Oh, how about this kind of a random poll? Did you ever see the movie Killer Elite? Jason Statham, Clive Owen, Robert De Niro. It feels like a movie that I had, I have seen and then freed up space okay. in my mind. I, I really enjoy the movie. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world, but I think it's a sure. solid little action thriller. Um, okay. 
but uh, you know, just like the type of movie you put on, it's like this is a good time. Uh, yeah. But uh, the the well, gist of it was. Action? Oh yeah, big big yeah. popcorn energy for sure. Um, big, pop, big pop, coming in here with that big popcorn energy. <laughs> I like that. You remember how that was the the pitch for this show before we yep. started the show? Yep. Let, let, let's pick a couple of movies that you could sit down and enjoy a bowl of popcorn with. That was that that was like the the, the initial yeah. elevator pitch of this of this show. We're going to talk about three movies a week. <laughs> three and. Immediately, like almost, almost instantly, upon first recording, realizing that we bit off more than we can chew. Much like my son bit off that piece of lamb at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, that was a weird, wild tangent, which we love. But uh, I almost lost the thread entirely. <sighs> wild tangents back. <laughs> I know. I just, I almost lost the thread entirely. Though that tangent was too wild. So anyway, the premise of the movie was. I think it was supposed to take place in like the 1970s or 80s. It's these two professional criminal mercenary types who operate overseas. It's Robert De Niro, Jason Statham, Robert De Niro is the mentor, blah, blah, blah. They go for this job. Jason Statham decides it's his last job. He can't do this anymore. Robert De Niro is like, eh, I still got to pay, feed my family, blah, blah, blah. Gets, <laughs> pay the bills. Yeah. Gets uh, kidnapped by someone that was pissed off by them. They hold him hostage for Jason Statham. Jason Statham's got to go kill three people who had offended this, uh, like Omani oil baron or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, he goes off to kill these like British soldiers who had killed his sons in war or something like that. And each of these guys had connections, friends in high places. And Clive Owen is kind of their muscle on the ground who kind of takes care of everyone. And he Mm. starts going about the purpose of protecting these people from these hits that he thinks are coming. Which he's correct to think are coming. And sure. I'm wondering if that's what this movie ultimately is going to be about. That's a really long and roundabout way to say. I don't know that he's going to... Go- Gore the God Butcher is going to be coming after Thor per se. I wonder if Thor is going to realize that gods are turning up dead and he's trying to go and suss out mm. who's doing this and protect it. I wonder if this whole Zeus thing, because it seems like that's who Russell Crowe is playing, which I didn't realize Zeus was in this, but I guess it makes sense. We got Egyptian gods, we got Norse gods. Why not have some... Yeah. Greek gods. I thought the Greek gods was more of a DC thing, right? Because that's the thing mm-hmm. that we've seen with like Ares was in it and everything. But it looks like Russell Crowe is playing Zeus. Well, and I mean, if DC has taught me anything, is that there's room for Marvel to take it and do it better. So, Swaps, absolutely. Totally. <laughs> Considering Zeus that's, is they, largely they taken. have gods and DC and Marvel's like that's cute. Allow us. <laughs> I'm actually not sure who did that first or who did it better in comics and this that and the other thing. And I don't mm. really care to be perfectly honest. What matters to me more is what happens on screen. And the chicken or the egg conundrum about gods. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, self-referential, I guess, but. Mm. Um, I think Zeus was, I don't want to say not on screen in the DC, but just kind of only in like prologue, not prologue, um, narration. Wasn't yeah, he in that whole thing in Wonder Woman Wonder about Woman? Ares where you see him just like in the flashbacks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I don't, I don't really remember. I think uh, someone important played him, but it didn't matter because you just saw him like his face CGI'd onto a body or something. Sure. But uh, anyway. I wonder if this is going to be one of those things building up to some lesser gods get knocked off and Gore is really going for Zeus, the heavy hitter, and mm. Thor's trying to protect him type of thing, and Zeus obviously doesn't believe in it, blah, 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 and turns into this whole big titanic struggle. So, I, okay. I, that's that's going to be my guess. And then like comes down to it like, okay, I could see your point, 
actually Zeus is pretty terrible. But however, <laughs> you can't just go and going around killing people on a whim. Gore, you can't, go you can't just go around people on a whim, Grandma. <laughs> Gore, the god butcher. You can't just go around butchering gods for the fun yeah. of it. <laughs> Gore. What a, there was some pretty cool stylistic stuff going on um, with the scenes with Gore. I think it was fighting Valkyrie, maybe, or was it Jane? I'm not even sure, but it was I think all both. It was like all variations of like white and gray, but the pop of color was coming from the outfits of the person that Gore okay, was that's, fighting. That, say that that specific scene actually, I I don't recall, but I do recall that it seems to be going black and white, and I'm really curious as to how and why that's going on, but. I, it was a scene of him and Thor, or at least it seems in trailer language, like the two of them were facing off, like hmm. camera cut to one, camera cut to the other, and all in black and white, which is really cool. I'm curious to see how that's going to play yeah. out on screen. But not like, why, not why like color is gone classic black and white. It was like highlight, like very, lots of white highlights, like versus like the opposite, like where the darkness is kind of, the, it's, it, I don't know how to describe it. Um, like, like color taken out of it versus it being shot in black and white. It's a weird. Uh, it's it's strange. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm in, I'm in. I'm I've I'm always going to be in for these movies now after Ragnarok. <laughs> so, but yeah. also what I'm really curious about too is uh, the Guardians. I uh, I assume maybe it's just going to be like a little bit of an opening fun stuff, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and they're probably going to fuck off. This is my guess. That's my guess, too. But I'm glad, because that's what they set up at the end yeah. of Endgame. And I get if they're not going to be in the whole movie, but I, I, I like that we're going to carry that, even if it's just to pass a baton to the main story. I, yeah. I don't know. I love seeing that crew. I thought the dynamic was interesting with all of them. I think it would be cool to hand off that to, hey, Guardians 3 is still way down the line, but maybe we get a, a, a nod as to what direction that goes in eventually. Right. And just seeing them all have some fun together would be cool, even if it's only for a scene or two. Yeah, I do wonder if they'll, if they'll come back at some point later in the movie. That wouldn't be surprising either. Yeah. This, uh, this still further um, blurs the lines, though, as I mentioned what, two weeks ago, about my confusion as to multiverse versus outer space versus the realms. I'm yeah. still very confused by that. She's just like, shh, 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 look over here. <laughs> look at all these yeah, colors. Too many questions. Hey, look at this absence of color. <laughs> every time, yeah, every time Al starts asking questions, they're like, oh, let's throw Korg on the screen. Oh, it's Korg. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got, what were we talking about? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's, I'm, I'm pumped. When, what's the date on that? I think it was July 23rd. Fantastic. Man. All right. So the only movie that I haven't seen then is Multiverse of Madness. So I have to just get that in beforehand. Um, hopefully soon. Really want to do an episode on it. Yes. It's been a minute since we've done. Um, I was going to say it's been a minute since we've done a Marvel movie, but we did Eternals. But it's, it's come up in my mind recently that that movie or that. Uh, oh, I'm assuming it's going to be another set of movies. But I was like, man, that wasn't, I didn't like, it was not good. <laughs> Eternals is just not great. kind of just there. I'm still not entirely sure what it was about. Um, yeah. Didn't help that I fell asleep on it, but I'm still not 100% sure. Like, I, big picture, got the gist of the whole, yeah. like, Titan, well, not Titan, but like, you know, whatever it was, uh, Celestial. Celestials. Trying to burst Celestials, b- birth Celestials out of the planet. Like I, But beyond that, like, that's the 50,000 foot view. I'm, I'm cool with that. Got it? Yeah. Getting down to like the 10,000 foot view, I, I don't really remember what the movie's about. 
And then at the end, they like oh, it, a character that. shows up, and it's like I feel like it was supposed to be a moment where I was supposed to be like, "Oh shit!" And I'm like, "I we're introducing somebody. We're like we we're, we've got ten seconds left." <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that person. That character had been in the movie right through like flashback, right? Was oh, was he? Person? I don't remember. Was it was it the celestial? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, that was in the post credit though, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yes. And it all uh, kind of blurs together for me. Really, it, what it comes down it to Adam it was Warlock? not that. Wasn't it Adam Warlock? No. Adam Warlock and that Leprechaun? Oh, maybe? Is that a fever dream? Uh, That's not Adam a fever dream, right? That Warlock happened. Warlock Eternal? Is that... Adam was Warlock was? was was teased at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, I remember that. That's not who we were seeing, though, was it? I'm pretty sure. Or at least that's who he says he is. There's some, there's some oh. rumor and speculation it's not actually him, but that, if I recall, but that... He actually announced himself. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Who was it? Wasn't somebody, somebody yeah. well known playing him? Uh, yes, I don't remember who though. <laughs> that's that's wow. too much. Yeah, that is uh, that's really interesting. That movie was it is Harry like, Styles. It, yeah, yes, I think it was. Okay, so that whole thing was like, uh, oh, it was Blade that was teased at the very, very, very end. Yes. In the, and oh, and then the reveal of the uh, of who Jon Snow is supposed to be, who I still don't really know, and the whole no, thing, no. I just don't care. I, I, I don't care. I'll, I, I hope that they can make me care at some point. Yeah. Um. As of now, they've they've got their work cut out for them. Because at this at this stage, like, I'm not. I don't subscribe to the whole um superheroes fatigue thing. I don't think that that's that that's true. No. I think. What can happen is that you could run out of ideas or not know how to interconnect them well. And it's not superhero fatigue. It's just that, like, they've set the bar pretty high at this point. You got to come close to meeting it or surpass it. Otherwise, it's it's just, I don't know, just going to fall flat. And uh, that's kind of what happened with Eternals. Yeah, I just, I don't know what happened. Like, <laughs> Chloe is Chloe Zhao, right? She she's a good director, so I don't get why the movie is bad. It felt like is it a studio interference thing? Is it a studio indecision thing? Did they not get her a good script? Uh, yeah. What did she direct? It was okay. Eternals, Nomadland, which I did not see, but one best picture. Okay, okay, so here's that's that was the thing. Uh, you said Chloe Zhao is a good director, or so I'm told. I'm told Chloe Zhao is a good director. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about that? Is that is that more? Yeah, that's that's accurate. Okay. Yeah. From what I've seen, which is just the one movie, I can't say that for sure. Yeah. I can't say that at all from the one movie that I saw. <laughs> Fair. Um, I just know that considering how well managed most of the Marvel movies are, that one right. seemed to have been poorly managed. Yeah, which is odd, right? Especially since it yes. was the one coming in after a large gap. Yes, and had a long time to work on it. Yeah. And had a director who has a good reputation attached to it, and had a director who, unlike some of the Marvel movies, executed some sort of vision aesthetically in this movie. Like, this didn't just look like every Marvel movie. It, it had some of its own stuff going on. Yeah. In the same way that, like... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness had the way that Thor Ragnarok had, and obviously Love and Thunder will have as well. Um, yeah. And all those movies have pretty big time directors attached to them. So I wonder if, like, on paper in the beginning, they were like, this seems like it'll be good. 
let's get it let's get the ball rolling the ball's rolling they start losing interest in it and they're like you know what we've sunk somebody into this i don't really care that much put it out we'll play the pandemic card and we'll just move on from eternals but they're not going away like they just won't they're gonna they come back absolutely the, with the yeah. amount of like legwork they did with who they cast in it with how this is going to connect a lot of things that i think are probably yeah. gonna end up happening over the course of because it feels like we're so used to have been built towards something that wherever this phase leads us, this whole multiverse phase, mm. that's not going to probably pay off for another two or three years. Yeah. Like we're used to like building towards something coming in a, in like a year or two. And it's like, that's right. Actually, realistically, we might get a mini payoff two years from now. And then like the big payoff five years from now type of thing. Like if you that's consider true. the timeline of like, we had two Avenger movies before we got to the two-part Avengers Infinity War slash... I would even argue that we had three. You could argue that we had uh, two and a half. It's called two and a half. Yeah. Civil War is two and a half, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, the, it, it's interesting. They So they fell into a weird trap, right? Because it's the thing that I tried to say time and time again with the DC stuff and why it didn't work is that you can't... You got to earn your Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. You gotta earn it. You can't just start there. You have to establish characters. You have to make me like them. You have to let them be somebody in their own right, so that when you put them all together, you don't need any of the backstory. You don't need any filling of uh, filling of that stuff out. You can just have these relationships exist because we know who they are. And this just fell into what DC did wrong. I feel like, which is like, here's a whole bunch of characters. It's I don't it's too much. It's too much all at once. It's not enough time to dive in. It's not enough time to establish anything. It I don't doesn't, remember if we it's said bumpy. I don't remember if we said it during that episode, but Eternals needed to be a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 right. Eternals need to be a show. They when you consider probably... how many characters are in the movie, because mm-hmm. my guess would be their thought was and this is why I think like they'll be back for sure, is this they feel like in this blueprint those characters or at least everything around those characters is going to be super important. Yeah. So we needed it to be a movie, yeah. but they didn't do a good job of it because I don't think that that story was well fit to a movie. Template. Yeah. That it. Yeah. That, I think we did say that on that episode, but it would have made, it would have made a good Disney plot. Oh yeah. We had said, do, uh, do a series, do like an episode per character and then a joint episode or two, like, mixing like throughout or whatever you want to do just yeah um, give them give them each something to build on and understand uh but they did not do that all i basically got out of that movie was that druig sucks druig sucks um so does the (laughs) was that the screen rant people i love that yes druig sucks (laughs) uh uh, was there other trailers uh, yes, there was one other trailer I sent you the other day. It was t- this was technically a teaser, although good luck figuring out why this is a teaser and not just a trailer. But it was for Mission Impossible Part One. Sorry, Mission oh, Impossible. No. I sent it to you the other day. I I believe you. I think I see it right here. Mission Impossible colon Dead Reckoning colon Part One. That's what I was looking for. So that we're doing it. Part One is the title. Like they're doing a two parter for this. Yes, we, we always yes we always knew that they were doing a two part movie. Um, mm. Well, I which is to say, it was announced that they were doing the next movie as two parts, that they were filming two movies. Okay, so I I understood that as they were just filming them back to back, not that it was like a two parter. Yeah, 
But granted, this whole series of them has kind of been very tightly linked, right? So it's yes. Fine. Well, the ones with Chris McQuarrie. Yeah. Interesting. Um, should I should I play it? <laughs> that's, that's up to you, man. I, I saw the trailer. Um, I'm gonna play it for the for the folks at home. Thanks. Official trailer. Thanks. Here we go. What? <laughs> you keep watching that. I'm going to grab another beer. Greater good. This is our chance to the truth. Okay. Of right and is that Watson? For everyone for centuries to come. Tom Cruise head tilt. Okay. <laughs> Who cut? The, why does this exist? <laughs> Next year. Just wait until then to give me an actual trailer. Well, that confused the shit out of me. I was like, wait, this is coming out next summer? Does she have a sword? At some point, oh my, oh, there's a, this is 30% Tom Cruise doing the Tom Cruise run. Oh, a train. Fall back. Sure. We're gonna do that. Do you think that driving the motorcycle off the cliff and parachuting down is some sort of, like, under-the-radar thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. That's fine. I'll I'll watch that. Um, I like Mission Impossible movies. It's, uh, <laughs> it really is that that movie that movie that teaser is just a lot of people running. It's a mission. Running and then walking. Yeah, I, you know what I think what it is is like Simon Pegg's like yeah I'll come back and do the movie but I get to run too in this one. I, yeah, I'm running. <laughs> 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 I immediately was like what <laughs> when the trailer started because it just starts off with like horses running in the desert. And I was like, where are we? What is, how are we going to get here? <laughs> That's always oh, what I, I wonder you, with a teaser. I thought you were going to say, okay, they've really upgraded the whole disguise technology because one of those horses running is Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I watched a video the other day of a guy doing like um, famous runs from movies. And I was like, surely this the is going to be the top ten like is... two or three runs and that's the end of the clip but he's got like a good 15 <laughs> and they're all spot on to before they even say who it is you're like oh my god <laughs> i saw something the other day i didn't watch it but it was breaking down like the physics of tom cruise's running like is he a good runner or not yeah and what was the verdict uh, no i didn't actually watch the thing i just uh, saw that it existed there is a there is an excessive amount of arm movement it looks like it's trying to be a silhouette they like everything's want... at a perfect, like, right angle, and it's like, swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. <laughs> I kind of go back and forth on it, because I feel like it looks like a lot, but it's clean. Mm. Like, it's not it herky-jerky. It's a clean yeah. motion, so I'm going to I'm gonna give a thumbs up, despite not being... Yeah, uh, thumbs like... up. 
kinesiologist on or anything like that. All right, so. thumb, are you, you're going to give this a thumbs up. I'm going to help you give it a thumbs down. Uh, if you slow that down, because of the angles of his knees and elbows, he is a straight-up swastika. <laughs> <laughs> and it's alarming. <laughs> Can he just be... I, watch it again. Just watch it again. <laughs> Can't he just be, what was his name in, um, fuck, what the hell? Mr. Game & Watch? Isn't he just Mr. Game & Watch? Why does, he to, <laughs> why does he have to be a swastika? Why can't he just be Mr. Uh, Game & Watch? I don't, just, I don't know. You'll see. You watch it again, you tell me. You tell me what you see. It's an unfortunate free I'm, I'm, in the shape of a swastika. I'm, I'm cool with this, though. Um, the movie, not swastikas, to be clear. Yeah, I uh, think that was probably went without saying, but... Uh, all right. Um, I... I have a question for you, because yeah. I obviously don't remember the trailer super well. Like, I remember bits mm-hmm. of it. I watched it a couple of days ago now. Uh, you just watched it two seconds ago. Did you detect in that trailer Carrie Elways? Uh, I, I wasn't actively looking for him. There's a lot of quick cuts, so. <laughs> well, I would have been very... I th- if you had just turned on the trailer, I would have... <laughs> I, just, I get the one scene, and I just go, yes! <laughs> what? No, Carrie Elways! <laughs> Not even just like click and like the like you hear the music flourish and before they you know, put the title card or anything up it's just I wonder if Carrie always trailer. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Anthony, I have a question. Do you watch I, the just assuming that Carrie always is going to be in it? I want. I hope that this becomes the next Diane Kruger for our show. <laughs> when when they start doing cast announcements for any movie. <laughs> no, I want to come up with a trail. I want to come up with a Twitter bot. That anytime a new trailer for a major movie comes out, it's just the it just, Twitter handle. It's just called, is Carrie always in this? And it just posts yeah, the video yes and it just says no. yes or no. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. That's, did I, de- yeah. Did you detect Palm Clementif in this trailer? Is that his name? N- no, that's the name of what? an actress. The actress. Oh, it's another person. Yeah, that's the actress who plays <sighs> Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, maybe? She apparently is also in this. Uh, let me see. What, I don't. I I'm going to look at what she looks like. Because... Well, because while watching this trailer, I said, "Ooh, there's Shay yes, Wiggum." I did. I no. While watching the I trailer, I was like, "Ooh, that's Shay Wiggum. Ooh, that's Haley Atwell. Shea. Ooh, that's uh, Vanessa Kirby." Who actually, I remember having been cast in the movie. Unlike the other two people I just named, I don't remember seeing Carrie Elwes. I don't remember seeing Palm Clement. I believe that they are in the movie. I just don't recall seeing them in the trailer. Yeah, I don't think I don't know that I saw them either. I would have to watch it again now, like with that lens on. But there, I like. In all fairness, so they it is a lot of like quick cutting to people's faces. So, well, there's a lot of you know returning faces that uh, was great to see, mm-hmm. like Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson, who obviously has become kind of like the co lead almost in these movies. Rebecca almost. Ferguson, with and without eye patch, so at some point during this movie obtains eye patch. Yes, fact that was. Uh, that was kind of when that the day that trailer came out. But the funny thing was, I didn't see the trailer was out. I just started seeing a bunch of pictures of her in an eye patch holding a sniper rifle on Twitter, but I didn't recognize it was her at first. And I was like, "What is going on with this image?" Rebecca Bliskin. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, like Alan Steppenwall put something up. It was like, uh, "Who did it better?" And it was like a picture of her with the sniper, and it was a picture of someone else. I forget who in, in an eye patch. And underneath, like everyone was putting other people with eye patches in for their votes. So, like one of them was was it Ken in uh, Mad Men, the guy with the eye patch, and there's um, a whole bunch of other people. I submitted um, 
what's her name? L from uh, from Kill Bill. It's mm. um, what the hell is her name? Totally forgot the name of the actress, but uh, she's got an eye patch in those. It's a pretty badass look, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, that was Rebecca Ferguson from this trailer. Got it. So I think what they should have done is so she's using a sniper rifle of sorts uh, in that scene where we see the eye patch. I really wish that it was cut a different Backwards. way. Yeah. And yeah, and that she was she, she was looking down the scope with the eye patch. <laughs> and I feel like you know, that would have just been for me. Because I don't think anybody would really care or pay paying attention, but I would have just gotten a chuckle out of that. Oh, absolutely. Um but uh That was yeah, cool. Was cool. That was a, what a, what a treat to go back to our text messages to find that I've missed an entire week's worth of conversations. Oh nice. I mean that's what happened, right? You sent me that, you sent me <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder. I acknowledge that the Thor Love and Thunder one was sent to me while I was walking outside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I will look at that when I get home. Well, at least that one I that knew you saw it because I texted you, did you see the Thor trailer? You said no. And I immediately sent you the link. So, like, yeah. I assumed you saw that you got it, whether or not you watched it. I think I, I saw that the, uh, when upon scrolling back, I saw that the, uh, this mission, I was going to say the James Bond one, the Mission Impossible one was amidst our daily Wordle scoreboard. <laughs> yes. Volley. <laughs> oh, man. That's cool, though. I, I, I'm I'm always down for a Mission Impossible movie. They're fun. I will agree with you, though. It's odd to give us a full-length trailer a, more than a full year out from... Like, I would have thought, like, a quick 30-second... Like, the I would have expected more like what we got from the Avatar trailer from a couple weeks ago. Sure. Considering well, that movie comes out, like, seven months from now, we got way less in that trailer than we got in this trailer for a movie that comes out, like, 14 months I don't know. I would. Say, I don't think we really got anything out of this trailer. I just like there was just a lot. I'm not as far as story, but just like as far as how many different things were going on, like explosions, we're running in the desert, we're running down well, streets, yeah. and well, we're I, I driving assume... a car, and we're sniping with eye patches on, and like there's a lot of different. You know, we we even got not story, but we got big theme with the original boss coming and having a big monologue to Ethan Hunt. Like, right. that is way more substantive than anything we got out of the Avatar. Which isn't a criticism of the Avatar trailer. I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. weird. Like, I would have expected, like, the structure of those two trailers to have been reversed. Like, let's get yeah. more from the Avatar trailer that comes out less than a year from now and less from the movie that comes out over a year from now. They're probably trying to rebuild some hype around it. And... I assume I don't know. Like, are they done shooting the second part? Because I, they, I, I'm guessing they're going to release them in in quick succession. Maybe like nine to twelve months apart. I'm not sure. I the intention is definitely a year or less apart. I think, and yeah. we'll see what that timeline looks like now with how much extra time it's taken. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff that came out during the pandemic where people were getting mad at Tom Cruise for how draconian the rules were to shoot the movie, but on the other hand, like, well, yes, on the one hand, while he was a dick in how he was going about it, I actually got what he was going for. Like, hey, this is a big, expensive thing. Let's take care of each other because otherwise we get sick and we can't make the movie. Like, yeah, like you could be nicer about how you go about it, but like, sure, I don't blame him for going about trying to do that. Like, this is his career, his legacy, and, and everyone else yeah. involved with it. So like, I get it. And it was during a time where like, you know, we were all scared. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Like maybe, maybe you do you drop this now to remind folks that it's happening. Get the hype going again. Maybe ride the coattails a bit of the Top Gun movie, which I'm assuming this trailer will play alongside of it. 
Yeah, and I do think it's weird. It almost is like dueling with that, though. Not like it's it's not drawing eyes away from that per se, but it's like it would be one thing if if top uh, if if, if Mister Fossil was coming out six months from now, and it's like, hey, you got this thing, and now you're gonna look forward to more of me in that. It's like, well, no, this is a year from now. Like we're gonna forget by then. They might, need, the they might be doing some like, projection stuff, right? Of like seeing how much interest they're gaining with it to see how much money they're going to pump into marketing when the movie is closer to coming out, would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, unless it's unless it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that trailer was kick-ass. You know what? I wasn't really thinking about going to see Maverick, but I need some Tom Cruise in my life. Maybe I'll go see it. I guess, oh, you know yeah. I mean? that's, that's actually, that's another interesting play too, right? Like, yeah, just pulling on that thread and getting folks interested in the opposite direction. That, yeah. Try to boost the sales of Mission Impossible. And then I'm sure there's some sort of metrics monkey that's calculating that with a ridiculous abacus. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure that between the nostalgia and the rave reviews coming out about Maverick, like I wouldn't think that there'd be a lack of people going to see Oh, I, I actually haven't read or heard anything. Is it, are, It's positive? I haven't read specifics as far as like Reddit, a full blown review of it, but mm. the sampling of just what the tone of, of, of the reviews are is incredibly, incredibly positive. It's like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Mm. Critic score, not, not audience score. Cool. You see, I don't know. Did we do what? Top Gun or? No, I, technically I've never seen that movie all the way through. I, sure. I've seen. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, like I've seen good chunks of it. I've seen some of like the more like the scene of the bar where they're singing and shit. I've seen yeah, the, of course. The the volleyball scene, obviously. I've seen some of the the plane scenes, like you yep. know. I but as far as what the, the the story of the movie is, and and from what I've heard, there isn't much story to go on. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Um, I, I I don't know a ton about all of that, but uh, like I've okay. seen chunks of them. So we could potentially do a a double feature episode of. We got a couple of those planned now between this and Kill Bill. Yeah. It's going to require me to actually see some movies. Correct. So make that happen. <laughs> make it happen. Any other trailers? Or can we move on to no, the those next? No, those are the two trailers I had for you. So what is this terrible choice that you need to share with me? Okay, this should probably be a quick subject. Um, where are you? There you are. I saw this online the other day. Totally forgot about it. Uh, but I on linked one. it because I knew I was going to. Forget about it, and um, I'm just going to present you a choice, and I just want your honest answer. Would you choose fighting an orangutan every year, uh, once a year with a sword, or would you like to fight a chicken every time you get in your car? Uh, These are terrible choices. I think I'm going to go chicken, specifically because I'm fairly certain I would lose and die if I fought the orangutan. I think the crucial detail of the orangutan is, do I also get a weapon? Do I get a sword? Or oh, hang on. I thought I had the sword. The no, orangutan no, no. has the sword? Yes. Chicken. I'm going chicken. <laughs> I Easy. think It's a much easier decision at this point. I think, you know, if it's just an orangutan, no sword, and you also don't have a sword, you lose, right? Orangutans can kick your ass. Yeah. I think if you have a sword and orangutan has a sword, I think you probably have a slight leg up in that situation, but it's no guarantee. Just because I don't know that an orangutan knows how to use a sword. And I'm not saying either of us is trained with it, but at least we have the gist of it down. I would say, I would argue that whether or not they know how to use the sword, they could just drop it at any point and just clap you into oblivion. (laughs) Okay, so an orangutan is not Donkey Kong, okay? (laughs) Yeah, but they're strong. 
Sure, but my point is... I can take a chicken. Considering how novice the orangutan is with the sword, I think, obviously, the the point here is keeping the orangutan more than arm's length, right? Because if you get engaged in a hand-to-hand combat, you lose. But if you can kill the orangutan with your sword before it can get its hands on you, at least, you know, you've got a pretty good chance that way. Yearly. Once a year. Once a year. I go... Chicken, definitely chicken. And then, like, right where we're about to end the segment, you go, also, the chicken has salmonella. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> yeah, there's nothing about that. Um, I think, obviously, that the chicken is the right call for you being maintaining your life, right? Every the chances time. of a chicken kill you seem very small. But, God, does that sound just awful. Just awful. It, it and does. that's I, I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick this one, but my life will be hell. I will stop driving my car. I will be walking everywhere henceforth. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, oh God, you know, we have to rush to the hospital. <sighs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the- you damn bird. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Come on. <laughs> now, is the chicken the chicken from Family Guy? <laughs> God, I hope so. Did you end up in this brawl? Five minutes long, yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's ridiculous. That's it for fun and games this week. Uh, (laughs) Major SNL departures. This one, so I knew the season finale was coming up, and I hadn't watched it yet. I actually ended up watching it two nights ago. And I was like, just beforehand, I was looking up to see who hosted, only to the headlines being like, this person, that person, the other person are leaving. I was like, oh, damn, like... That's a lot of that's a lot of good people leaving. <laughs> so that was that took me by surprise. But oh, out, sorry, caught you at the wrong time there. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, no, I went like totally opposite. Where I just saw a headline of like Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson and AD Bryant and Kyle Mooney are leaving SNL, and I was like, oh wow. And then like a day later, is like it's the season finale. I was like, oh look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I. Uh, Kate McKinnon one hurts because she's probably my favorite on the show. Uh, they did a pretty good send off with bringing back one of her best characters. And did that? you get to watch it at all? No, I'll probably go check it out just because so it's kind of a big deal. They but... do it. Uh, she her that skit is actually ends up being the cold open, uh, so you can you can watch it there. But it, the character is uh, it's like three people in like a U.S. bunker like secret place where they're doing an interview of folks that have been abducted by aliens (laughs) and two people have very similar very like incredible experiences like that like you know harmony love all that stuff and then the Kate McKinnon character has just the most disgusting, raunchy, horrible experience and explains it. She's like, like this whole like drew the short straw type of situation. And she just goes way off the deep end with every bit of the explanation and so, uh, making that, the people that are interviewing them very uncomfortable. <laughs> has that been a recurring bit or have they just done it one time before? I think they've done it. I feel like this might be the third or fourth time it was done. So I've definitely seen one of those. I didn't realize it was a recurring bit. There was was one. I know one time Liev Shriver was hosting. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Liv? Leave? I'm not sure. Uh, He was hosting, and that one was really good. And I I forget who the other. I feel like it was at least one other one. But uh, one of the notable things about it is it is a. It's one of those skits where 
everybody at some point cracks because yeah. of how ridiculous her performance is. I definitely saw one of those at some point. I don't remember who was hosting or if that the host was involved with that skit or not, but I, I remember seeing one sometime, let's call it about a year or so ago. Yeah. That's I I love that. That's so good. It was she, a funny skit. From she her, cracks yeah. me up. I'm I'm the only thing that I'm looking forward to her with her being off the show is that she'll probably come back and host at some point. <laughs> like well, depending the, on how her career goes. That's the thing. Obviously the headlines here is specifically that McKinnon and um Pete Davidson believe it, but it feels like and I don't watch super consistently, but it feels like every time I have watched the last couple of years that the two of them don't really feel like they're consistently like major players in the given episodes i watch mm. like it feels like for a long time now they've kind of taken on like an emeritus role so i guess from that perspective i'm not surprised they're finally moving on because it feels like their talents aren't really being used yeah uh, i know like pete davidson like he, i feel like he was in a lot of stuff earlier on and then like you know went through a bunch of stuff and was like there was like a hiatus kind of situation at one point but he was always like he came back in in drips and drabs uh always did some great stuff as coming on as himself during the weekend update and they did yeah. that in the finale as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, Aidy Bryant, though, has grown on me over the past like couple of seasons. Really yeah. funny. And yeah, every time I see her in something, she cracks me up, and like it just feels like she's in a lot more sketches than the, the two of them. Are. Yeah, yeah, she the seems two of them, to be like in everything. Yeah, the two of them are always great when they are highlighted. But, like it might be once an episode. Yeah. But uh, so she there she has two reoccurring characters on the Weekend Update that I love. Uh, and the first one is like she's like a like a young like middle school girl I think, mm. and uh, Shay is like interviewing her and she's like all like nervous and like telling her stories and stuff and she's like she always goes Michael yeah I've seen that Michael? one yeah. <laughs> those those always get me and then the other one they actually did in the final episode of the season uh, where her and Bo and Yang do like these trend setters that are like talking about what's in and then what's out so they go like in and they say like whatever ridiculous thing like this like this last one was like uh was it uh, in like this thing in that thing out the navel orange and they're just like they just <laughs> they rip the navel orange to shreds and then go go to bed bitch oh, wow. <laughs> and they say and they, they do this like very over the top thing and they're dressed ridiculously and it's just so funny and uh, they do a really heartfelt moment at the end um, to like to say goodbye to her during that. So that was mm. fun too. But yeah, she's the one who I'm more surprised by leaving because she feels like she's like absolutely part of the fabric of what they've been yeah, doing she, the last couple of seasons, and like she hasn't really like broken out in any other thing that like it would feel like it would be the impetus for her to leave. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I wish. I hope that uh, she does some some good stuff going forward, but. Uh, yeah, that was that one was surprising to me as well for the same reasons. Uh, and, but and nothing and nothing against Kyle Mooney, but I really could take. Yeah, he's 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 fine. He's he's made me laugh a handful of times. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does the jacked uh, Grogu that also appears uh, on Weekend I've Update never, every once I've in a while. But that, one. that was that was pretty good. I will say, very disappointed though, because I look forward every time to the season finale when. Uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost do jokes for each other that the other hasn't read yet, and they didn't mm. do it. And I think really? because they they spent a lot of time on update, I guess saying goodbye to these different people, okay, like letting true. them do a segment that I guess they just didn't have time for. It. But that that is like my fa- like 
I will watch the entire season in the lead up to that being my favorite thing that happens on the show. And it didn't happen. <laughs> I was like bummed. About it. Yeah, but I, I guess it, it, it makes sense. I mean, especially when you consider like I remember last year's being really, really good. Like that segment. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they didn't have massive departures like that last year. So like I get yeah. why we get crowded out when they're trying to have a send off to like this is really the core of the cast for the last like six or seven years. Yeah. So anyway, that was a that was a shock. I didn't realize that was happening. I'm sure there's yeah, of it in advance. No, I had no idea. It was totally fresh to me this week, so Alright, Al. Phallic flowers. <laughs> there's no easy way to transition to this. Okay, so this it is sounds like an SNL skit, actually. <laughs> yeah, this was on Live Science the other day. It was on other publications as well, but uh, <laughs> stop picking carnivorous penis plants. Cambodian environmental officials plead. Um, subheading is people picking penis pitcher plant poses problems. No, um, no. Yeah, I'm going to send you this so you can read along. You can't take yourself seriously and put a headline out like that. I'm going to send you this so that you can follow along and also take a pic- look at these flowers because they are grotesque. Where did you? Oh. I sent it to you in uh, Skype. It's about to get loud as I lean into the microphone. All right, what do we got here? The Cambodian government recently asked people to stop picking a rare carnivorous plant that, when viewed from a circle, certain angle, looks a lot like human male genitalia. Oh, sorry. Which, which angle? Any? Any <laughs> angle? <laughs> This is ridiculous. The Cambodian Ministry of Environment shared images on Facebook of three women snatching up pitcher plants and posing with them. The ministry officials requested that members of the public leave the rare plants alone. Uh, Cambodian news website, the Khmer Times, reported, What they're doing is wrong, and please don't do it again in the future. Thank you for loving natural resources, but don't harvest so it goes to waste. Some news websites have reported this plant is Nepenthes holdeni, but it's actually a closely related species called Nepenthes bucorensis. Jeremy Holden, a freelance wildlife photographer who first discovered N. Holden I and Francois May, a botanical illustrator who described both species separately, told Life Science. The two are similar in appearance and both only occur on nearby mountain ranges, which may explain the confusion. However, N. Holden I is the rarer of the two species and only a few researchers know where to find it. My plant grows at a few secret locations in the Cardamom Mountains. Of southwestern okay. Cambodia. <laughs> I didn't know it sounds like it sounds like a plot on the board in Candyland. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the carnival mountain sounds like Candyland. <laughs> the uh, the Bocorensis occurs on the far more accessible Phnom Bokor, which has undergone extensive development in recent years. Um, the post and they're both subspecies of the penis carnivorous. <laughs> The posts and photos were responding to a video filmed on May 11th that showed the women picking the plants, according to Newsflare, a website that buys and licenses videos. This isn't the first time the government has issued a warning against harming the phallic and photogenic plants. Senior officials at the ministry asked tourists not to pick either one in a statement in July of 21 because the activity could drive the plants to extinction. Ex- oh, sorry, extinction. Um, now, the picture of the non-carnivorous one, I think, or the less rare one, it looks like, what's it called, from Pokemon, like Weepin' Bell, or something mm. like that. Um, Nepenthes plants survive in low-nutrient soil by supplementing their diet with live insects, using their nectar and a sweet scent to, att- to attract prey. When you smell a Bocorensis pitcher, it smells sweet, just like a candy. This is Candyland, okay. 
<laughs> Insects feed on nectar around the mouth of the plants. Modified leaves that, when mature, resemble mm. pitchers. Not loving this. <laughs> when insects fall inside the pitchers, they drown in digestive fluids and the hungry plants absorb their nutrients. A pitcher plant's phallic resemblance is most pronounced when the penthus leaves are still developing and the pitcher is closed. The natural habitats of carnivorous pitcher plants in Cambodia have declined due to agricultural expansion on private lands and the growth of the tourism industry into protected areas, according to a 2021 study Cambodian Journal of Natural. May noted that while the phallic appearance of the plants is fun, picking them could jeopardize their survival. If people are interested, even in a funny way, to pose to make selfies with the plants, it's fine. Just don't pick the pictures because it weakens the plant. Because the plant needs these pictures. Interesting. How... How much is this really happening that this that this warning needed to be given? I mean, apparently it's a very rare plant. So, how many people are running out to the cardamom mountains to take <laughs> pictures with the penis plant? I prefer the allspice valley. The- <laughs> 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 oh my god, this is ridiculous. Um, the so. That's interesting, the whole... Um, so, you know what's crazy to me? The carnivorous plant, I didn't realize there was more than that, m- more than one, though it makes sense that there would be. Oh, there's sure a there's lot plenty. of different species in Southeast Asia, in now, South America. The majority of them, I would imagine, do they do something similar to this, where they like kind of trap things with their sap? Well, some of them, like or the nectar. ones like the ones that... There's the ones that like close. Yeah, say, like, the Venus flytrap like straight up... Yes, the Venus flytraps... It move which is crazy to me right it's like so cool because like they don't like plants don't have muscles the way that like yeah. creatures animals insects everything has um these i think are the more common type which yeah they have some sort of sap sap or whatever that traps it and it just slowly digests it like the sarlacc pit as mm. opposed to the over the, the course like, of a thousand years <laughs> yeah probably quicker than that but yes same principle um, yeah, the Venus flytrap, I think, operates much more quickly. It's within a couple of days that those things typically, um, like, they seal up, they stay closed for a couple of days, break it down, and then open back up and try and catch to the next week. Yeah. I vividly remember feeding my Venus flytrap ham. That's probably not safe. Yeah. Well. I never owned one. I do remember being quite young. I want to say six. And it's when we lived in Vermont. And we went to, there was a big mall in or near Burlington, which we lived pretty close to, um, like a good, legit, regular, everyday mall. And then there was this other one that was considered a mall, but it had like some underground sections, some above ground sections. It kind of like there was multiple entrances, like from like the street. It was kind of a different situation. It was, I, I've seen play, things like that in different cities and everything like here and that, whatever. Um, but there was a bunch of different types of stores and we were in one of the stores. I don't remember which one it was. And I, I think Kelly and Tony might've been up to visit. Hmm. Maybe, maybe Annie Cookie and Uncle Eddie were there too. I don't remember, but um, definitely at least one of the two Kelly and Tony were there. Um, there was definitely a time where Kelly came and visited us for like a couple of weeks. But I want to say I was with Tony when this happened and we were like going through the store and they had Venus flytraps there and mm. She was explaining to me because I'd never heard of it before. And I was like, oh. And so she like took a piece of paper and was yeah. like dangling it. And it went and yep. it was just a little, little plant. And it, you know, it pitched down on the paper and like it clapped pretty hard because she pulled it and like 
part of the paper tore away. Mm. And it opened back up because it wasn't tangible yeah. enough for it to stay closed. It realized it didn't catch anything. Yeah. I had, they're, they're wild. Like, I had seen it actually, like, something land on it and it actually eat it. And I was like, that's pretty bonkers. Yeah, I've seen videos of it, like how it works, which is pretty cool. I saw a video where someone did something that they probably shouldn't have done ultimately. Yeah, they like pricked their finger and dropped human blood into it. And it like digested the human blood, which was weird. And now it became the monster from Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I bought feed, mine feed me at the plant and bake sale in grade school that happened every, every May. Interesting. Around Mother's Day. I also bought a rubber tree plant. That really, uh, yeah, that lasted until like maybe like I don't know, like a year or two ago. My mom still really? had it, yeah. Did you guys make rubber? No, it's disappointing. Can't say, can't say that we did. The thing grew out of control though, it got pretty, it got pretty big, which is which is pretty cool. But uh, I didn't, I didn't even realize, like, I had like, I was like, what is this funky plant? She's like, that's the plant that you bought me in grade school. I was like, goodness gracious, <laughs> <laughs> so good stuff. Cool. What else we got here? Uh, oh, Acolyte update. Yes. Star Wars Acolyte. You remember, was it last year, two years ago, during Star Wars Celebration, where they announced like a whole slew of television shows I and stuff? I do. And this is the one that piqued my interest the most, just because it seemed very different than all the other projects. And mm-hmm. so we have an update on the making of that show, with Star Wars Next. Celebration around the corner this weekend, I guess, right? When is it? It's oh, it is this it Friday? I think it starts, well, maybe it starts Thursday, technically, but yeah, I think it's this weekend. Oh, cool. um, so this was uh, on comicbook.com. This was Star Wars, the Acolyte showrunner teases series, martial arts influences. When the Acolyte begins filming later this year, it will be the first Star Wars live action television series set outside of the Skywalker saga. The Lucasfilm is keeping most details under lock and key. Showrunner Leslie Headland says it'll take fans back to the basics of the original Star Wars trilogy. While it will follow in the footsteps with what John Favreau and Dave Filoni have done with the franchise's other shows in Disney+, Plus, the, quote, mystery series will largely be inspired by the samurai martial arts films that inspired George Lucas in the first Quote, John Favreau said that when you're working in this world, you want to go back to what George was inspired by. There were westerns, and then, of course, Akira Kurosawa samurai films, and the fact that he originally offered Obi-Wan Kenobi to Toshiro Mifune, which, parenthetically, I did not know that that was a thing that had happened. <laughs> Um, Hedlund said in a wide-ranging interview with Vanity Fair. Because of that, Hedlund said she wanted to keep things smaller and, quote, more personal. So I actually went more towards martial art films and storylines that are a little bit more personal and less global and galactic. Those warriors were on missions that were deeply personal, with people feeling wronged and having to make it right. Wuxia films and martial art films from King Hu and the Shaw Brothers, like Come Drink With Me and Touch of Zen, they're monks that are also martial arts heroes. In a separate piece from the same magazine, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy applauded Hedlund's dedication to researching the franchise's Legends lore, formerly known as the Star Wars Expanded Universe. She is a giant star she's a gigantic Star Wars fan, the executive shared. What's wonderful about Leslie is she knows it all. I mean, she's read a gazillion books inside the expanded universe. There are little bits and pieces that she's drawn from that no one has explored yet on in the on-screen storytelling. The truth is that I, as a major mega fan, came to them with this idea, and I said, I think the best place to put this is in an era you guys have not quite explored yet. They were very enthusiastic. It wasn't that they didn't want to explore the existing world. I think that they already were because 
the Mandalorian and a lot of the other television products were really relying on legacy characters. Cool. I mean, I like the idea of a, of a show from a different time that we haven't seen on screen in a live action format uh, from somebody who is passionate about. I mean, that is the passion behind the material is what got us some of the great stuff that we've gotten over the past. So mm-hmm. um, all about this. Now, they're, this is going to be like old like Republic era stuff? Well, they're playing coy with it because is it Old Republic? Is it future? Is it somewhere way the hell out there? My guess mm. is it's going to be Old Republic or maybe even pre-Old Republic. In so the I have a times. theory that like some one of these things maybe I don't know like how because like you know how like the games are also going to be canon as well, right? Isn't that the, mm-hmm. the whole plan? So uh, they're making they're doing a remake of Knights of the Old Republic, and now I don't know if that's like a if it's going to be one to one story with how it was, or if they're if it's going to be like updated to fit into whatever this universe is. And I'd be curious if like there's going to be some sort of crossover with some live action show there. I don't know what the rules are when it comes to a... what are the rules <laughs> when it comes to it like is it a reboot or is it a remake because if it's just a like a re well i don't know i think the problem with that stuff is they say they just say those words early on when they don't have any details for the like the other details that they're sharing so like i can't trust that it is even if they say remake i can't trust that it's a remake yeah because if they're just re-releasing it with an HD sheen... Yeah, it's not that. Like, it's built... From what I understand, it's a ground-up, like, game. But okay. I don't know but if, if it's a ground-up version of what it was. If they're just remaking it, though, I think that that probably exists as a standalone thing. But if they're yeah, rebooting it, where it's like, hey, we're going to draw on this heavily, but do our own thing to make it canon-appropriate. Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds like a dangerous proposition, because you may betray the love for the old one and yeah i kind of pro- hope probably put out a lesser prop you know product even like a like separate from yeah i i kind of hope that it maybe that it's not tied in specifically because um it was a choice based game where like different outcomes happen right so like i don't see how you could really make something like that part of the game yeah. no i that that also is a, a major part of it as well so to me i think it would certainly be safer you know, if you want to build it from the ground up so the mechanics are more modern day, because I know that mm-hmm. I've heard, I've never played it, but I've heard that those God, that didn't age well. Um, I loved that game so much when it came out. I remember being so blown away playing about, like, the... And, like, probably the same way that you were blown away by Mass Effect, I was mm-hmm. blown away with this game. And it was, like, just, like, the the depth and the storytelling and like where you can go with it and all of the things that you could do. I was just like, and it was in the star Wars. It was just so good. (laughs) I loved it so much. And I, I, at the time I had never played a game with that mechanic of fighting that it had. And I thought it was cool. Then I don't think I'd be interested in playing with that exact mechanic now because it is a little bit clunky, but it was cool. You know, I actually don't know what it is because I've never even seen like you would have like your party set and you would queue up the things that they would be doing. You'd be like, "This one's going to go attack. This one's going to heal up. This one's going to shoot blasters." And like you would basically like put these blocks into the queue, and they would be executed in sequence over time. You weren't actually shooting or swinging a sword. You were telling that this character is going to swing a sword. 
this character's going to do this, this character's going to and they would they would do those things to the enemies at hand. Okay. Kind so of you... like, it's kind of turn-based, but it was a little bit, I feel like maybe just the structure of how they executed it with like the mechanics of queuing up the systems of what your character was going to do was just slightly different. So there's a similar mechanic in the Dragon Age games where okay. you can basically freeze frame what's going on and you could hand out a little bit more explicit commands. Mm. But then, so you could then either fast forward it, like, but you could control where if, if things aren't going, you could pause and then scrap that strategy and go for something fresh. Or, you know, you could just pause and wait to see, okay, is this going how I want it to? Okay, continue. Or, you know, you queue up what everyone who you aren't going to be controlling is going to do, and then you pop back into live action. You play as whatever character you wanted to play as. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. But it's fully live action. It's not turn. Well, the first game was kind of. It was turn based in the way that like, um, like World of Warcraft is, where like you, it's quote unquote live, but you press different powers and engage com- combat basically. Which I, not a huge fan of that. But I liked what they did with it in Dragon Age Two and Inquisition, where you can still pause and do some of that stuff and take a more hands off like grand master view of it, or you can you know set them up to do some things and then. You know, still play live action. It's pretty dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite version of it actually was in Dragon Age 2, where on top of just saying, hey, you do this, you do that, you do this, you could come up with some really specific rules for combat for each of your players, where it's like, if this sort of enemy is on the field, use that power or use mm-hmm. this item. You know, if, you know, if the, the lead character health falls below 10%, use this power, what you know, right. type of thing, where, like, you know, it can be offensive, it can be defensive, it can be all sorts of stuff, you know, if... You, like, really build out a system. Yeah, if your if the character's health falls below 25%, drink a health potion. So you don't have to look and say, oh, God, this person, this character's almost dead. Let me switch to them and drink a health potion. It'll just do it itself because you told it in its rules to mm-hmm. do it. That's cool. I, I really liked how it, it was done, and it sounds like Knights of the Old Republic has a little bit more dynamic version of, in the sense where you don't pause to do it, right? But you just... Yeah, I, I feel like as you were selecting, like you pulled up, I don't fully remember, but I think you like pulled up the menu, and when you pulled it up, it slowed down significantly. Not, I don't think it stopped. Okay. Um, but it was enough that you could like read through stuff. I, I don't remember. I really don't remember. But I do remember that you would select the actions that would be taking place. And then once the timing came around to your team, that action would happen in the queue, in the order that you've set them up. Okay. And then, you know, you could scrap it based, like you were saying, like based on like what had happened, you could drop out everything that you've queued up. Um, if you realize that like it's fail, it's falling behind. But that game, I was so enthralled with the actual uh like the story and what was going on that like i think that if the story wasn't so captivating that mechanic like the fighting mechanic may have ended up taking away from it because it was it's not like it's not like my style of play um no but it's not i'm either. super interested to see what they do with this remake uh, and hopefully that it's a little bit more hands-on to play yeah i i would be cool like if you, uh, it doesn't it doesn't have to be fallen order but if it was something even remotely if it was some sort of way that they could intersect like fallen order with mass effect like as a gameplay style that would be man i really i the other day i almost started playing fallen order again i've thought about it some too but i i 
literally haven't even sat down just to play something on my own in like two or three weeks. Well, that's the thing. I know that I won't complete or like a game, like a playthrough. So I'm holding off to a time where I like I'll have a little bit. Like I'm thinking maybe holiday season 22. I might. Yeah, you could probably knock it out during the holidays, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, I don't want you to think I've just been blowing you off. I haven't even played anything on my own in like I think it's been <laughs> like three weeks now. <laughs> it always says that you're playing Dragon Age. It's Dominic. I figured that. Yeah, because no, because <laughs> we just share one like Xbox yeah. Live account. He, I'm sure he's been playing a ton. I I it's been over two weeks. It's been probably almost three weeks since I've sat down to play something. Like we played Halo two weeks ago mm. like the first day that you texted me but like it was like the group of us playing so like yeah so other than that i haven't played any video games at all in a couple of weeks uh well speaking of i think that's it for the news and nuggets we could probably dip into consumption um yes i believe that is all of my news so on that halo note i've uh the last few weeks once a week i've had a chance to sit down with a couple of coworkers and play for like an hour or so and uh, it's been a blast to like get back into playing some Halo multiplayer. I love, I love it, and I'm finding a new. It's a, it's slightly different. It's my my version of playing the multiplayer has evolved over time. Um, you know, when I was younger and I was into it, I was playing it like every night, and I was like super competitive and constantly trying to like max level and stay there. Uh, now I do not touch ranked things. I just I don't have the time for it. I do not have. I cannot. I, I don't care. I just want to play and have fun. So I'm going to interject quickly here because I'm going to say it's a lot different. And to be fair, the last like Halo I played concurrently when it came out was Halo Reach. But I I told you I think I mentioned on the show like two months ago. Me and Brian were playing some online together, mm-hmm. and I'm flat out bad at that. Game. <laughs> so I think you'd have probably have fun with us. So like we play a lot of. So we basically bounce between two modes or. Unless there's too many people in the party, then we'll have to go big team battle. But we bounce between playing quick play, which is just kind of unranked, fun team based games, whether it be Slayer or Oddball or King of the Hill or Capture the Play. Like it just it cycles through and just picks one of those games out and you play it, right? Uh, we cycle between that and Fiesta, which is my favorite game. Which is I don't know every, Fiesta. Every time you die, you spawn with two different weapons. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it's just like, it's luck of the draw. Like, you could start off with, like, just this garbage weapon. You could pistol die and come pistol. back with, yeah, <laughs> which just happens to be. Or you could die and come back with a rocket launcher and spike cannon. And it's just, like, great. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. And it's just because there's so many, like, there's eight people. It's 4v4. And everybody is spawning with two different weapons. It's just chaos. Because and especially once everyone's been dying, some there's just a random assortment of weapons. There's just so much going on. Oh, and you also start with a, a an equipment as well. So whether it be a drop shield or a dash or a grapple shot. That's the other thing is I don't really I didn't really figure out 100 percent the HUD or like the equipment stuff when mm-hmm. I was playing, which I'm sure that would help increase my ability like five. You'll, you play a little bit, you'll get there. You'll get we there. were playing some, but the problem was like he like couldn't even really fully explain to me what was going on, and I'm like. <laughs> You're the one who plays this. Like, <laughs> um, um, we were playing mostly big team battle, which I've always loved that game mode for whatever reason. I mm-hmm. think, especially when you like incorporate, it's not just Slayer. Like, you like there's more modes than I remember there being. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Um, fuck, I forgot the name of the, the the mode now, but it's the one where you have to grab the um, power cells and like stockpile. 
stockpile. I actually really liked that mode. I thought that was kind of fun, like the the strategy of it. Yeah. Um. The the action like can wax and wane back and forth and stuff like that and. I, I like yeah. that mode a lot, actually. I me mean, too. Like that's that's my favorite of the big team battle ones because you could play different. You could play to it in different ways. Whether you're going to get cells, defending your cells, or going, or you're the pirate that's going to go steal cells from the other base, which is well, what I try to do. <laughs> I felt I felt like even when I was in a bad rut where I wasn't fighting well, I felt like it could still be useful in that. You mode. can contribute, yeah. Whereas in like when it's just Team Slayer, considering I was just doing terribly, I felt like I was just purely dragging. What I liked about that stockpile one is finding out that the Razor, I think it's the Razorback, is the Warthog that doesn't have any weapons on it, has okay. two slots on the back that you could slot power cells into. So if you're by yourself, really? you can, yeah, you can just drive that thing over to it, put two cells in it, and drive it back. I haven't seen anyone do that, no, which isn't to say they weren't, but I don't yeah. recall witnessing that. I The big strategy I've noticed everyone do, which doesn't 100% make sense to me is people just grabbing them and throwing them and throwing and them yeah them. like to me like it made sense where like in the maps where you have to go way around to get up onto the base if there's mm-hmm. someone winning on the base and you want to throw it up to them that makes sense to me but like yeah. people just running through the map just like throwing it 50 feet or they don't throw 50 feet it's a problem like throw it like 15 feet and then yeah. you pick it up and throw it, it- I'm like just run with it, dude. Right. <laughs> yeah, this the having the ability to put them on that. I mean, you got to time it right and be in the right position for it to work out. But if you can, it's you know high risk, high reward. If you can do it, you're coming away with two instead of one, which yeah. is kind of nice. They also well, I've back. seen I've seen other people like yeah, you grab one and then hop on the back of someone else and get a sorted yeah. back. That makes sense to me. You know? Well, if you think about if you do this right, if you go with the razor back and you load it up with people, they can each grab one. The driver can put two on the back. You could basically fill the base. Okay, I don't think I've even noticed that vehicle then, because I was thinking of like the, I guess the mongoose, right? Where it's two uh, the mongoose is a two-person one, yeah. I've seen the Razorback is a warthog that is basically just a mini. Then there's I don't no. I've actually seen that one. There's I'm no gun on the back of it. <laughs> it. Doesn't seem ideal, but no. But uh, I've gotten a couple splatter kills with it, and it makes me happy. Nice. There's this one dude. There's this one Fiesta match that pops up every once in a while in this fairly like medium sized map, but it also has vehicles and it's kind of tightish quarters. So like it's pretty easy to destroy the people in the vehicles because you can you can duck away into some good spots and take them out. But okay. I as soon as that one starts, I'm like, well, this is already going to be chaos because everybody has every different weapon that there is. Somebody's probably got a rocket launcher. Three people may have rocket launchers. Who knows? I'm going to fly this Banshee and see what I can do. <laughs> it usually doesn't end well, but I usually get at least two. What is, what is that down. thing that's basically like a Harrier jet? Uh, the, oh crap, Hornet? I don't remember. I, all I know is I played on the one map on Big Team Battle like where that was. And I had no idea it was a thing. I didn't know it existed. Didn't know it was on that map. And then all of a sudden, this thing came screaming out of the sky and yep. murdered the shit out of like a, a slew of us. It was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. It, and I didn't know where it spawned. I didn't know how people were getting it. Like, I was just like, like I just felt like, I felt like an ant who, like, there are people wa- walk, walking around trying to stop them. And I'm like, holy shit. And then I was just happened to be running behind the base at one point, And someone, it spawned on our base. And the enemy tried to go steal it. And they were going to have two of them. I was like, no fucking way. I will literally <laughs> die in real life before you get this. Killed them. Stole the thing. I was like, okay. I don't even care if I do good with this. The point is, I just can't let the enemy have two of yeah. them at the same time because we are just going to get demolished. Flew around with it a little bit. Got a couple of kills. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then someone used a grapple shot and launched 
150 feet into the air and stole it from me. And I was like, yeah. how is that even possible? Yeah, I, uh, that's my move. So whenever I see somebody in the, one of those things, it the entire my only objective now in the game is to get it from them. Well, that was the problem is I didn't know the grapple shot existed until that yeah. moment. <laughs> you do have to be a, you do have to be like um, not close, close, but relatively close to get to actually pull that off. So what I think happened was I was near to the base and the guy did it, but he must have hooked onto me right before I jetted away. Oh yeah, that that makes so sense. It took like ten seconds for him to actually get on the thing, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Where did you come from?" <laughs> so I. I've had a lot of fun with that grapple shot and I will grapple Jack the driver out of a warthog with two enemies in it, drive the warthog <laughs> off, off the cliff the map, jump <laughs> out of it and grapple yes. shot back onto the map. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. That is hysterical. When you can pull something. it off, it's so fun. That is hysterical. You should clip that every single time and yeah. send it to the two guys who died. The, uh, yeah, definitely. The other day, I uh, there was like I was playing this one match and it was just chaos going on, on the other side and I was like oh I'm so far away and I just chucked a grenade and then I just went about my business and then like five seconds later it was like triple kill <laughs> I was like what <laughs> <laughs> and I guess everybody had weakened each other over there in like this rumble pit match and yeah it was it, it was it was it's so much fun I love it it's a it's a fun game especially to play with friends. That's one of my one of my consumptions. What do you have? Uh, let's go with what I've been consuming tonight. So mm. for dinner tonight, I had basically like homemade Mexican street tacos. We had a little bit of like if it was like flank steak or linen broil or something like that, and with some sort of steak seasoning, like you know one of those like pre mixed steak seasonings, like diced sure. up, pretty small. Cook with that, the little mini rounds, you know, some guac, some black beans, cheese, lettuce. Delightful. Um, I, I found, um, well, not found, I, I went out and got my, my brother had gotten my dad for Christmas this, uh, like, hot sauce challenge thing where it came with a bag of chips. It was, like, fairly plain, like, salty chips, but with, like, some lime on it, and you try one of each chip with, with different sauces, like, nine sauces from not very hot to quite hot. Mm. And so I went and grabbed, I think it was number seven out of nine. It was a Chipotle hot sauce and uh, threw some of that on there. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, nice little, nice little treat for, uh, for dinner to cram some uh, street style tacos into to my Definitely mouth. When I'm kind hungry. of hungry now that you mentioned that I had, uh, it was more of like a fusion thing, but it was like Korean barbecue Pollock uh, tostadas. Wow. That's a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> and it was—I mean, it was delicious. Like uh, that meal was a sentence. It was, it was like a marinated, like it was like marinated shredded carrots and like rice vinegar as like a base that was going to go on. So like toasted the the tortillas, um, put that carrot slaw that on top of that. The cooked the pollock in uh, just a quick pan fry, and then added the Korean barbecue sauce to it. You put that on top of the carrot layer. You put a whole bunch of sautéed scallions on top of that, and it also came with this like, um, it was like garlic and like seeds. It was like dried out like seasoning, but like toasted and dried out. So it was like mm. chunky like toasted pieces of garlic with like um, poppy seeds and some other stuff in there too. Maybe some sesame seeds. Sprinkle that all over the top of it. It was excellent. sounds fantastic. I love food. We, we both had some pretty excellent foods. Um, yeah. I also would like to 
show what I've been drinking. You son of a bitch. And can you see what's on that? Uh... I, yeah, I can see it. I saw, I knew what it was at, before it was in frame. <laughs> I think the last time I had this, I did this to you. You do this to me every time. I will say, I think I would be more upset if it was a focal banger. Oh, I have those in the fridge too. I had one the other day. Those are, those uh, are nice. Well, what had happened was, you see what had happened was, is I went to the store the other day to pick up some beers on behalf of my dad. And I went to the craft beer refrigerator section of the, the store. It's a rather large beer store. And I got what he wanted. What did he want? For, well, he wanted for um, my, so my sister's boyfriend uh, graduated from the Coast Guard Academy. Um, and so we were going to graduation party the other day and my dad wanted a couple of four packs for his dad um and he drinks like so my dad really has grown to love the um new england ipa specifically and um perfect fit um his dad also likes specifically like um sloop uh, juice bomb sure so i went to get one of those and another like new england ipa for my dad they had they didn't have regular old juice bomb, but they had juicier bomb, so it was like perfect. Oh, twist. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got, I think Lord Hobo, um, Ho- Hobo Juice or Juice Lord or whatever the fuck it's called. Mm. And uh, Juice Lord. I think it's Juice Lord, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I think you know <laughs> whatever that one is, and um, it's Lord I, Hobo. <laughs> I <laughs> I grabbed. Those two, because they were in the same door, I think. Different shelves, but they were in the same door. And I was going to walk away. And out of the corner of my eye, I was like, did I just see what I think I saw? And there was a facing of Hetty Topper, which is what I'm wow. thinking right now. And there was a facing of Focal Banger. I was like, I didn't think you could buy this in right. a store in New York. The last I had heard, you can't buy it outside of Vermont. Huh. So I'm obviously going to take my opportunity to buy a four pack of each because it's super yeah. expensive there. <laughs> How much was it? Was it priced up? I don't want to tell me. I got to know. I think combined it was like 40 something bucks. Oh, that's not. Or maybe 50 bucks. I don't remember. That's honestly I forget because I, so I bought I bought two things. But it, yeah, it was like I don't know, high 40s or low 50s, something like that. I, I bought like a $24 four pack of Magnify the other day, and it was absolutely worth it. The, one of the two, I think the Juicier Bomb was like 22 bucks. Yeah, that's insane. Four. This, Which, uh, like I get the prices are going up in craft beer. Good craft beer is always going to be expensive, but like that still dang. seems obscene. Yeah, it, it is obscene. Like, yeah, when you, it's when you break it down to the per can price, and it's like, it, it hurts sometimes. Uh, but this one was called Orange Drink. <laughs> um, let me take one second. Let me pull it up real quick and tell you what was in it. Magnify our drink. Uh, here we go. Smoothie style sour. Uh, packed with blood orange, pineapple, and banana. Ooh, the bananas. And adding soda syrup. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It was orange. It's like they were straight up orange soda. It's out. <laughs> it's something else. You know, <laughs> you know when you have orange soda after never having orange soda for like years, and you're like, wow, this is delicious. I can't have more than three sips of it, but oh my goodness, yeah. I've forgotten all about you. It was like having orange soda for the first time. 
I know we're talking about not in a long four. time for the first time <laughs> for the first time in a long time. Got it. Um, I know we were talking about C four earlier, and mm. I really like the orange slice C four because it literally tastes like orange. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's a it's a that is a good one. But uh, focal banger, nice. So you're consuming that. Uh, I the other day, uh, Elio was was a little bit a little cranky, and nothing was. Nothing was calming him down. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to sit down with him and I'm put a cartoon on. Give him like 10 minutes of just vegging out for a minute to calm him down. It ended up working. But uh, didn't know what to put on. Didn't want to put on any of those like funky YouTube ones that are easily available. I was like, oh, I have HBO. HBO has all of the old Looney Tunes on. So I oh, went yes. and I went to the Looney Tunes sections and I just hit play from the first one. Which is like the like original Looney Tunes, like the black and white weird mouse thing that is like a Mickey Mouse knockoff mixed with a cat. Like I don't know if you recall this cartoon. Oh yeah, I have seen one or two of those. I'm I, not a fan of that. I was like, this is I haven't seen this in ages. Like I had almost completely forgotten about it. So it was really fun to watch. He was super into it. Really, which was a lot of fun. He he, uh, he pretty much likes anything. Which is great. Well, sure. <laughs> so that's that's nice. Uh, but yeah, we were sorry. Well, when listen, when you like highlighted, he was super into it. I was like, oh, okay, like that seems noteworthy. Not just like, oh yeah, whatever. Something is on. Like, no, no, he was like, I mean, he kept looking at it and like smiling and looking to me to make sure I was watching too. And like, he was just like, he was digging it. I think mostly the whistling and the music is mm. what gets him. But uh, I was like, this is great. Like, I <laughs> I can't wait till we get to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. But. There's some there's some funny stuff in there that I I've definitely seen in the past, but I I would never remember it without it being like recalled by watching it again. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. What else are you consuming? The Blood of Elves. There's probably a better so, way to say that. So like the third book, fourth book, eighteenth book. What are you up to? Yeah, now? the third the third book of uh, The Witcher. I made some some pretty dramatic progress since uh, our last I see recording. That. I um. Only have a couple of hours left of that. Sh- I hate measuring. That's what Audible does. So uh, <laughs> it was like a ten-ish hour book, and I'm down to the last like two and a half hours or something like that, or three hours something like that. But cool. um, it's been really good. Um, I've nice. really dug how this one's unfolded, where it's much more linear in its narrative. Um, it is a little jarring when they jump in a chapter to a totally different perspective. Usually, I'm mm. accustomed to a book finishing a chapter and then starting another chapter, but they tend to be either thematically or narratively tied together. So it's like sensible that one would go to that sort of thing. It's just, it okay. can be a bit jarring, at least in audio form. If I was reading it, probably feel jarring to me, but it's been cool because they've now opened the, the field where we get to see some of the other major players, not just major characters, but like the last chapter I was just listening to was like this tete-a-tete between like the four major Kings and Queens of, the uh, continent or whatever, um, having this whole big debate together. It's actually pretty riveting to hear, considering we only ever occasionally hear like one of them named and maybe a bit of policy or something like right, that. You right. don't really get access to those characters in the books to this point, um, and scarcely in the shows either, mm-hmm. other than like Calante, um, I found um, in the show. So I thought it was really cool. I finally nice. feel like I got a little bit better understanding for what's going on in like the wider world of the Witcher and all, even though it was just like part of one chapter. So sweet. It's been good. 
that's awesome. It's, it's been cool. So I've really enjoyed this one. I'm really looking forward to the next one. I would say like the first half of this mirrored pretty closely a lot of what happened in the second season, but then the second half of the book is not stuff really that's gone on in the show. I, it's stuff that like you would imagine would be kind of sort of going on in the background type of thing. Okay. But um, it's a lot of it. It's it, It's been more about um, what's going on in the world as it reacts to the fact that Nilfgaard uh, began that whole invasion thing. But it feels like that's maybe what we would see like early in the next season of the show, I would think, before right. that war continues to progress. Mm, interesting. I, I, that's the, the gist of what I'm getting from it so far, but sure. I don't know. So that's why I'm curious to see what the next book goes. If they start to tie some of what we've already seen, because all the stuff with the, the, the elves going to Sintra, that's kind of sort of been referenced in the background, but not actually happened in the book. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like I would like to get, get to those. Um, but you know, you know, me. I do. Books. Um, maybe one day. I, just before we got on today, I watched the series finale, This Is Us. Oh, um, it actually ended? I, I know the over. final season was on. It was incredibly moving, and it's like, God damn you, and the heartstrings <laughs> that you're pulling. It's just too much. It's just too emotional. But it's uh, it, had, it had run its course maybe a season ago. My mom and, gave up like two or three years ago. And but they they really they did it good they ended they they ended it well um they got the way that they tied it all up at the end and um a lot of the final episode is so throughout the series they do they jumps through time and it's like the kids when they're younger the kids when they're teens the kids when they're older when they're babies before they're born they they're all over the place with it but a lot of this final episode was at like a specific point in time when they were younger and they must have shot those scenes a long time ago because these kids that they've used to play them at this age were still that age so they they probably had this ready to go for a while and like have this whole and when you start when you put it together and you see how every little thing was connected together and the 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 overarching story and how they go from the beginning to the end like this was a very well planned out thing. And while maybe it went on a little too long, they could have tightened up portions of it. It is very impressive that they were able to pull it off the way that they did, especially when you take into consideration that aspect of it, having kids at various ages and showing them at those exact ages throughout the seasons means that they must've shot so much of that together, planning ahead for how the that's cool because you see so many of these really big shows and you know I I never had any interest in this show but it undeniably was a sensation of mm-hmm. television for the last several years. Um it's nice when they execute the finale pretty well whether it all 100% goes the way you want it to or not or whether the focus was exactly what you wanted it to be on for them to have something planned out pretty concretely and be able to execute that plan showing that sort of foresight and being able to get to that point effectively that's mm. really cool. It's nice to see that for people who enjoyed that show. Yeah, it was it was it was cool. I, at the end, worth the ride, even if there were some bumps along the way. Uh, what else you got? Um, so last night I finally kicked off watching Severance. I watched the first. Yeah, episode. you did. That's all I saw. Um, it was, I'm sorry. What's all you saw? The first episode. Yes. Cool. 
Um, it was, uh, it was pretty damn good. Very odd. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely curious to see what's going on. Uh, got got Kruger a little bit during this episode because PD was played by Yul Vasquez, who was I've never seen in anything with the exception of watching Promised Land uh, <laughs> last year. Because uh, apparently he he's really good friends with John Ortiz, and John had him help get him cast as what was his brother in the present day storyline of that show. So mm. um, it was just odd. I've never heard of this guy before that show, and then. Bang bang! That show, the show. He's in both of them. So, so um, strange how that happens, right? And that's that stuff happens all the time, right? Where you never seen anyone in anything before. You see someone, it's like, oh, that's cool. Then you see him again, like six weeks later in something else. It's like, how did you book these two major roles when I've never heard of you before? Right? And like, they came out concurrently, basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, But uh, yeah, no, it was it was Uh, really cool. I'm definitely intrigued to see what's going on. The principle behind it, I was vaguely aware of, but. See it a little bit more clearly defined on screen now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, it's the the level to which it goes is pretty extreme, right? But I think probably everyone has kind of sort of thought at some point or other, it'd be really cool if like just during work I could just worry about work, and while I'm at home I could just never. Think. Yeah. Um, so, and I get like that's the whole gist of this is work life balance is not something that a lot of people have and this is a way to do it but it's probably a too dramatic way to do it certainly a surgery and the extent of it where it's like you forget about like you're not going to worry about it like you just can't even access it mm-hmm. that's a little startling because obviously i'm sure this is going to get into a conversation as to how that can be abused mm-hmm. like we saw it right off the bat here so um that's a very obvious downside to this sort of thing, right? Man, <laughs> this, this, I, I, I'm kind of envious of you being on that first episode and just being like, "Cool, this is weird. I get it's weird. What's next?" And to to not have any idea what where it's going to unfold to over the next seven episodes or so. It's so, it's a hell of a ride. Well, I'm excited for you too. Like you and Kim are going to watch episode ten any day now, right? That's right. That's right. I'll say episode ten now, please. Uh, it's so good. I am really pumped. Maybe next time you're in town, I'll take you there. I'll take you to uh, to Severance. What what's the company called? Something Lumen. Like Lumen. Lumen. I'll take you to Lumen. Okay. It's like Lumen. It's like fifteen minutes away. Fucking name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little cross pollination between that and Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the best line in all of Dexter's history. Well, certainly, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a Mount Rushmore line from that show when uh, <laughs> the Frank Frank was well, Frank Weller Well Welker I forget his name the guy who played Robocop mm-hmm. Peter Weller I don't I don't know whatever Peter Weller Peter Weller when uh, he's investigating Lumen <laughs> for for Quinn and he goes Lumen Pierce Lumen. Stupid fucking name. <laughs> In fucking his Peter Weller voice cracks me up every time. <laughs> That's a great. Oh man. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do a weekly check-in as you go through that that series. Yeah, I'm t- tonight if I had gotten home from work at least an hour, I was planning on watching a second episode before recording and I just flat out did not have time for that. So Sure. I get that. But uh maybe tomorrow or Friday I'll uh it's a holiday weekend, so I might have some time to knock out a couple episodes. Yes, I have. Uh, I have continued on with Pitch Perfect while I've been cooking dinner, <laughs> and uh, it's Cook, just cooking a, and pitching. It's just a fantastic treat. It, it's just a, they're so good, they're so fun, and I've 
I'm on to the third one, which I don't remember enjoying, but I'm enjoying it this time around. Maybe because the bar is lower for me, mm. but uh, it's also very funny. So it's definitely uh, the third one goes over the top in a way that is completely unexpected and unnecessary. But I think at that point, it's like you can't they've already done the show twice, the, the movie twice. So they can't do it the same the same thing. They can't just have another competition a third time. And so it goes into some interesting ridiculousness. But uh, it's. I just love those movies so much. They're just so, they're just ah, so, I love the music. I love the singing, the jokes. <laughs> it's just, it's fantastic. Just really, really great. But, but I'll probably be, I'll probably finish that over the course of the next four dinners or so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, what else you got? Um, well, the, the, the last thing I, truly have for consumption is something that's a joint consumption that's better yeah. call Saul's mid-season finale. So the only other aside I'll have is, um, as we always refer to, um, the patron saint of our show, Diane Kruger. Mm. I was watching Troy the other night. Nice. Um, it was Sunday night. It was after the we came back from uh, from Jonah's boyfriend's graduation party. And, uh, you know, we were just kind of having a drink and some... My, cousin, my cousin's sister's boyfriend's graduation party. Yes. Got it. Um, well, I didn't want to say his name on the show. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but uh, anyway, we, uh, you know, me and my parents, my brother, and um, my brother's girlfriend, sorry to continue on the, the name Good. game like that, were uh, just flipping through. They watched the end of something. I don't remember. And then, um, me and my brother were just hanging out for a little bit. And we, or, oh, sorry. Right before my parents went to bed, like they, like they were like, oh, we're going to go to bed because we don't want to watch it. They're on Troy. And Diane Kruger is obviously in Troy. There she is. Fantastic movie, if you've never seen it. Um, have you seen it? I don't, I, we, oh, yeah, of course. We've ever discussed before. I'm pretty uh, sure it's the only reason I know who Diane Kruger is. Troy? Really? Yeah. Not uh, there's definitely something else I've seen her in. National Treasure. National Treasure, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> God. I think for most people that would be the one. I think, right? Uh, Troy is the first thing that came. To, it comes to mind. Okay, but yeah. Um. Anyway, we were watching it, and like my parents, you know, did the thing where like we're going to bed, but like they don't actually get up for like ten. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we were watching it, and my mom's like, "Ooh, Brad Pitt." I was like, "Yeah, no, he's like Achilles, like kind of a big deal." I was like, "Oh." My dad's like, oh, hey, look, Brian Cox, because he, he loves Brian Cox, and who sure. doesn't? Um, and he asked me the question that he asked me every single time this man is on screen. Oh, my God. What's that guy's name? Brendan Gleeson, Dad. It's Brendan Gleeson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's in so many movies. Many of them my dad has watched, and every yep. single time he's on screen in any of them. What's that guy's name again? <laughs> Still Brendan Gleeson, Dad. Um, like, in like eight different roles, he's asked me that question. Yeah. Um, you know, and couple other oh hey look sean bean i was like yeah no the rare movie he doesn't die in especially considering like the time this was mm. the peak of his dying in every movie phase and uh you know etc so on my mom's like who's that i was like come on mom she's like what i was like it's diane kruger oh that's diane kruger <laughs> <laughs> because, hello uh, diane <laughs> well because every once in a while something will happen and i'll be like oh, diane kruger and she's like What's that again? Because I explained to her what sure. the whole Diane Kruger effect was. And I was like, Mom, we were just talking about it the other day because I'd actually never talked about it with my dad before. And I mentioned it to her. 
And my dad's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It, the Diane Kruger, Kim fully is on, is fully on board with it now. So she gets when I put one, um, I pull that one up and, uh, You'll also appreciate this. Still going strong. The other, I was making Elio some <laughs> eggs in the morning. The spice. I, I, I went into the cabin and I was like, "What should I add? What's what's?" I said out loud just to nobody, uh, "What spice should I add today?" Because I try to expose them to like different things. And just from across the room, you just hear. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so good. Uh, all right. Sorry. So, would you? Saul? Yeah, so for the listeners, if you're not up to date on the mid-season finale of Better Call Saul, we are going to be spoiling the shit out of it. Uh, Which by the time this episode comes out, they should probably be caught up. They should be, but fair warning. It's really good. So, fair warning. If you don't want to hear it yet, you could skip to the next chapter, which will be the flick of the week. Um, This is one of those things where this is immediately going to go up on the list of episodes, right? like of the best of the show. It's going to measure up among the best of um, the, the Breaking Bad ones. We're like, you know, where you're referencing episode title, right? Like mm-hmm. Chicanery, season three of, of Better Girl Saul, Ozymandias, final season of Breaking Bad, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. This this one was what? What's the plan and execution, I think? Something like that. Execution was definitely the final word. And, and this whole season, every episode title has been Word and word, word mm-hmm. and word is black and blue, um, carrot and stick. There was a, a, a bunch of them. This one, I, I think, was planned and execution. Mm. And Phenomenal hour of hour. It really was. And I like, there's so much intensity throughout it. I like, they do, there's like a certain style of the no dialogue, just watching the character on screen that they'll open an episode with. And they did that with this one, right? With Lalo uh, coming out of it sewer and i was so confused what a weird so, iteration of in media rest like <laughs> so so was I. I was like this is so weird and i was like but i know i know at this point to know better and i'm like just take a deep breath watch closely and just enjoy what's happening just enjoy the artistry of what they're doing here and then goes into the truck stop takes a shower comes back goes into the sewer closes the sewer slowly walks through it oh interesting there's a couple of water jugs there clearly he's had this place set up Sits in this chair, gets nice and cozy. I'm like, he's watching. He's watching something outside of the sewer, and then like to see well, that it's very calculated confused. and planned, and like how like he can play the long game. Yeah, I, I was confused at first because it looked like he was like falling asleep, standing up in the shower. Then he goes and takes a nap in his car. Then he immediately goes and sits on that chair, and it looked like he was leaning back to take a nap again. I was like. Just go to sleep yeah. if you need to. And then until I realized they like they pulled out and like you see him sitting up on the ledge and, and then I made the same relationship. Oh, okay, he's posted up to to be on watch here. Got yeah. it. But like but it was, I was confused there, by that at first. I was like, what? There was so much though to his to every little thing that he was doing in that scene that I loved. And I think maybe the thing that I took away the most from it was yeah, he goes back and he's falling asleep, he goes back to the car, he sets the timer for an hour to take a nap. He wakes up before the timer goes off. And I think that's such a cool moment, right? That mm-hmm. he's like, he, the gears are turning. Like he's got this plan that he is executing perfectly. And like, he is a well-oiled machine. Even if there is a little bit of chaos in some of the way that he does certain things, he's like, I'm going to get this right. And it's going to be glorious. So much so that when he realizes. He got it wrong. 
that yeah that the phone is tapped he's like son of a like the well the way that he snaps and destroys the chair and then takes a deep breath and gets his cool again i loved it i just loved well, especially it. the psychoticness of the character is awesome well not just that uh even more so like for someone who's despite the fact that he is psychopathic like he will kill in an instant if he needs to he's incredibly well controlled which is not i mm-hmm. think always super common for that sort of thing um but to see him lose his cool Mm-hmm. One of the very few times we've seen him lose his cool. Even yeah. times where he's brutally killed people, he's done it in a controlled fashion. And this is the first time he's seen out of control. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Uh, to get that opening, though, which is cool, and then to see how... I also like when he, gain, he gains his cool and shifts to another plan so fluidly that I was like, this is, like... I just love watching... Like, I love watching him. I wouldn't say all the execution of it has been perfect across the last couple of seasons, but mm. overall he is the perfect um, foil for Gus because he's the only person who can match him on the strategic level. Everyone yeah. else fights him tactically. Um, Walt at the very end, because he finally finds the one thing that he can get under his skin with, mm-hmm. but it took him that whole time. Everything else he's kind of flailing and yeah. just gets by because he's too valuable to kill. Right, right. Yeah, it's so interesting. The uh, I like to see like you know when he makes the call that he's gonna go after the chicken man tonight, and like to see the changing guard at the at the laundromat. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and then everything else going on, the whole Howard thing was amazing. Like finally, finally, like pulling it all together. Okay, what is it that they're doing? Like we know that they've been slowly setting him up to be to come across as a druggie to cliff and great but like what's the what's what's the big play and they keep hinting that they're close to it and showing you and you can look at the post-its and you can probably draw some conclusions but you understand that it has to do with this judge and like okay but what is the play and then to finally see it all come together of like faking a blackmail by hiring an actor so that it looks like that's who it was and then the the level deeper that the pi that Howard has hired to follow Jimmy is actually working with Jimmy, which I kind of suspected, but the way that they reveal it was awesome. And then when Howard pieces together how he actually pulled it off with the changing of the phone numbers in the system, I was like, this is so good. And also shows the length of time that went into it. Cause like, I feel like when you're watching it over the course of the season, they keep going back to their little, uh, their, their Arthur thing on the wall that they flip around that has all the post-its on it. And you get the impression that, yes, this is a long game. They're doing something over the course of a long period of time. It's a little hard sometimes to gauge how much time is passing. You just know that it's a long time. And now mm-hmm. for it to be unveiling itself and you get to see all of the intricacies in the plan, you realize, okay, this was a really long game that they were playing. <laughs> and that's why it makes sense that that's why Kim is so frustrated when it's not going to work. And it's like, no, it's happening today. We're going to do it. We're going to fix it um, and make it happen uh, with the judge whose arm <laughs> was not broken in their pictures, but actually broken in real life. Uh, it was so great. The guy who was the actor who they were dressing up to look like the judge is the, the guy who's he's worked with um, Odin Kirk for a long time. He was on Mr. Show. Mm. He was on um, with Bob and David. Uh, he's a funny guy in, in those shows. And to see him play kind of like a silly character in this, in a more serious show um, was, was cool to see that, that uh, tandem get back together again. 
Um, for me, the plot, I was, I, I felt like I was pl- like putting a puzzle, but mm-hmm. I was missing a couple of pieces and it was the center of the image because I could, I felt like I had the whole thing together, but I didn't know how it was going to come together in the end. Like I was like, okay, they figured out who the judge is going to be the mediator. They have an actor. They're obviously going to make it look like he's tampered with him. Check. They have the whole thing with the drugs. He, that they, they plotted out. They've, they've already gotten the distrust of Cliff Maine. Obviously they want to sow division between those two to get this, to settle quicker. Got mm-hmm. it. You have the thing where they're going to like double up on the drug thing and like drug Howard somehow. Got it. But how are they going to get this past the private investigator? That, yeah, that was the cool. That was the part I couldn't see because they didn't tip off. No. In any way, what that was going to be at any point. And for that reveal to be there at the end was was pretty fascinating. When when he hands off the package in while he's driving, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I know. Because I... <laughs> that was up until then. I keep thinking, I was like, "Man, all of these plans always go his way. Mm-hmm. This is gonna finally be considering this is the first one that they've involved Kim to this level. Even yeah. with the Huel one, it was not to this level. Yeah, her involvement. She had no personal stakes. If it didn't work out, it was not gonna blow back on Kim in the least." Mm-hmm. She is really tangibly involved in this one on multiple levels to the point where Howard has even noticed that she has to be involved because of the thing where she's out to lunch with Cliff Main. So I'm like, okay, this is finally where their luck runs out. And then when you see the investigator is clearly on their dime and not Howard's, or I guess technically getting paid by both. Yeah. You know, double dipping. Double, or what was the line from the, the, the gentleman, double bubble? Because I'm going to get paid, double bubble. <laughs> um, <laughs> That was when I finally was like, oh shit, they are going to get this to work. Which mm-hmm. is also even more dire because what is the fallout from this going to be? And it harkens back, you kind of knew this was going to be bad, bad for Howard. Mm-hmm. When the Black and Blue episode, when <clears throat> he when Jimmy fights him, Howard beats the crap out of him. He comes back to Kim. She seems largely unsurprised and says, he says, why did I do that? And she says, because you know what what comes next. Mm-hmm. right there we should have known how devastating this was going to be for Howard it wasn't just going to be professional loss in the yeah. way that it was for Chuck it was going to be a type of humiliation and think about it the last time they underwent uh, a move this big was against Chuck in court in chicanery like the other episode I mentioned was one of the best episodes of, mm-hmm. the, tele- of the show period um, it ends with Chuck killing himself right yeah. ultimately and this one ends not with Howard killing himself but with him so broken and to the point where he doesn't really necessarily 100% care what happens and he just ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and the result is still the same. He ends up dead, which yeah. was a shock. The, I think the the reveal there of like... Okay, actually, before I even get there, uh, so if I'm being f- fully honest, I, did, I have lost the thread a little bit as to why Kim is so adamant about tearing him down. So... I mean, Howard addresses it in that final episode. I think probably because you and to an extent me as well, and many other audience members probably were wondering why she's right. Was it it's just because like she like she was constantly overlooked and kind of she never really got what she deserved out of the, when she was working at HHM? So here's the thing. I think Howard got it right finally in the end. It took his eyes being opened by how utterly he was destroyed. Those are just the justifications she's telling herself. She's doing right. it because she wants. She wants it, to do it because she likes it. And this is 
all along what I've been talking about, about Kim's Breaking Bad. Yeah. I guess I got the part I got slightly wrong was maybe she was bad all along and she'd been trying to tell herself otherwise. She was mm. like the opposite of Jimmy, where Jimmy, everyone thinks he's bad and he thinks he's good. And eventually he becomes bad because everyone told him long enough. Mm-hmm. She, everyone has told her she's good all along. Right. But deep down, maybe she knew that good wasn't what she wanted. Right. Okay. So that makes this, it, it kind of makes And this to... is just allowing her to blossom and actualize in the way that is more natural to her. Lose it, losing the thre- thread is not that big of a deal because it's really not about the thread. <laughs> well, I, I think really all along, I, I, all of these things, maybe it's death by a thousand cuts mm. because, yeah, no, no one of those things should have been that big of a deal. Or right. maybe maybe you could look at it another way. Maybe this is the truest affirmation of the love of, of that she has for Jimmy because all along, I not all along, I, I've always been a little bit thrown by their relationship. It didn't make a lot of sense to me early on. Mm -hmm. Not that they were friends, but that they would fall in love. Yeah. And maybe this is just her truest testament to that love, that it's something that he needed. And so she did it for him. Yeah, there's just the thing. And like I said, it doesn't really matter so much because it doesn't change anything. But I am curious. Like there was a I I vaguely remember like there is a there is a moment when they decide when she really she decides that they're going to go after Howard, they're going to do well, it, this thing. I, I, I think that the, actually the clearest thing was really when, when Howard, uh, after Chuck died and Howard, um, what was it? The letter of recommendation or, or the eulogy or what? I forget what it was that he, she gave that he gave to, to Jimmy and she, she didn't let Jimmy see it. And remember there's that huge scene where she goes and accosts him. I think that's the moment she decided. Okay, that this is coming back to me. She, he, right? He, yes. Okay, that makes sense. So, okay, I can't fully remember. Do we know what's in the letter? I think we did. I just do don't we, remember do what it was. It was like two seasons ago, or yeah, because it wasn't two, last yeah. season. It was a season. It was the end of the season before. Yeah. Okay, that's coming back to me. That makes sense. But again, which is like it, it doesn't like matter so much or where it's going. But I was just kind of curious. Like I, for, I kept thinking back. Wait, how did we get here again? Like, what was the thing? See, I think it's all the things that you and I have discussed, plus what mm-hmm. Howard said, all that together. But I think the biggest thing is, I, really, this is... She wants to. No, I think it's part that. I think it's part of the slights that Howard had at her expense. I think it's mm-hmm. part that she gets off on it. I think it's part of the, this is a closer to the natural thing that she realizes she can get away with these things because she is smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest piece of all of them, I think all those things are true, but I think the most true thing is this is how she connects and loves Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's uh, that. So, OK, so now going back to to their apartment after everything is done and um, they've ruined him, he comes to their house and knocks on the door. And I love that moment of Jimmy's like, well, I, guess, I think it was Jimmy. Oh, no. Kim's like, I guess we should get this over with. And he's like, yep. And gets up. Now, when the, the when there was the knock on the door, I was like, it would make sense that we believe that it's Howard because they're expecting him. Is Lalo coming now? Is that is this who's going to be behind the door? It's and it che- wasn't Chekhov's protective uh, watch, right? Where they for the last several episodes, everyone's been complaining about Mike, yeah, de- putting a protective detail on them, and then finally we know it's it's kind of almost a throwaway line, right? Like we knew that a, Mike and a bunch of people left when Lalo told the thing about going with plan B, yeah. but it's a backup line of, I forget who said it, where we pulled everyone off the lower interest targets. Yeah. Where that's like, okay, this is how Lalo enters the fray here. It's 
it's a couple of different things, right? It's either he's going to go after uh, Gus or he's going to go after, I wondered if it was going to be one of those things, does he blow up and look uh, one of his restaurants or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, or obviously it's most likely he goes to Jimmy. Now I don't understand here why he would go after quote unquote, like to kill Jimmy and, and Kim, they haven't done anything mm-hmm. to him in that way. I mean, you could argue maybe he suspects that they had a role to play in the assassination attempt on him. But ultimately, they're more useful to him alive than dead, yeah. which is still not what Mike and Gus want, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. But I think that whole thing finally paying off was great. And But I think it's even better where they set up the whole misdirection of, is it Howard? Is it Lalo? Oh, it's just Howard. No, it's not. It's also Lalo. Yeah, that. So that was the thing, right? So the candle, the way the candle flickers, the and door knocked, off twice. Was and really I was cool. like, okay. So I was like, they think it's we're going to do a, a gotcha. Like he's, they're going to assume Howard's going to be there. It's going to be Lalo. They open the door. Howard's there. I was like, oh. And as soon as I, re- as soon as I went, oh, I went, oh no. <laughs> and like I just, I pieced it together. Like long before he came in, I was like, Lalo is still going to come. And Howard's going to be there, and that's not going to be good. And sure enough, the f- candle flickers again, which was a great, a great move, but more violently yes. when it flickers. Yeah, the second that was time. really cool to pay that off twice in that scene. Yeah, that was that was intense. And then also, I think what it's so it's devastating, right? Because um, I do think that when Howard is like, why? And like giving his whole speech, like, why me? Like, why are you coming after me? Like, it could be this, could be that. But like, really, it's not, that's not enough of a reason. So why are you coming at me? And then for him to start being like, going, like, tell, like, basically wearing his heart in his sleeve, like, so I've, you know, I've gone to therapy and I brush myself off and I do this and I pick myself up and I, you know, I've been living in the guest house for a year. My, my marriage has fallen apart, but Howard picks himself back up and you see the tonal shift in Kim's face where she's like, starting to like she's like i didn't know that happened like i like which i like that they paid off that too yeah that's good because that i'd be curious to see if that comes up in any way of their remorse uh, obviously they didn't want him dead and obviously no both of them are both shocked they didn't expect someone to be murdered in front of them and two they didn't want him dead no they didn't die that way they knew he doesn't deserve that yeah like, even if they felt in some way shape or form they could justify him deserving everything they did to him they didn't want him to ha- end that yeah, it, and I think there was something really interesting. So Lalo, well, first of all, super creep show, right? No, continue. Anytime he does the big creepy grin. And like slowly putting the silencer on the gun. When he shoots Howard in the head, I think they make a very specific point of his head hitting the coffee table on the way down, similar to mm-hmm. Chuck's head hitting the counter at the, mm-hmm. uh, right? And it's just like, it's not, it's it's like not enough. Like he's he's not only wrong place, wrong time shot in the head and we just need to go this extra step like really like brutal like he is like this character like let's get the point across like did not deserve like if you still feel like he deserved it he like did not deserve this and and like i feel like there's there's just like it's layered and it's just like more like violent as it as it's as like the two second scene is going on it just gets violent 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 (laughs) as it hits the ground and i just it, there's like that that through line of like the things that Jimmy is doing is resulting in these things happening. Whether and he you know 
whether he realizes it or not, which like some degree he will blame himself and some degree he won't, he'll, he'll make excuses. But then to your point, everybody's telling Jimmy that he's bad his entire life. So like, it makes sense that he becomes that way. Um, like self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Right. Yep. Like, but exactly that can, I feel like that the head hitting the table was like that, like just connecting these two dots. Like, yes, he's not all bad. Like the, the world has made him this way. But these two things are really results of his action. Oh, it's a thudding punctuation on yeah. the fact that you can't go back. Yeah, you've finally gone super officially too far. Um, I also think, you know, in the moment that Howard dies, or in the lead up to him dying, he stumbles across the answers, but it you can see it doesn't really resonate with him, his own culpability in all of this. Now, you know, we could go in a t- couple of tiers here. He does not deserve to die. Mm-hmm. You can argue he doesn't deserve the comeuppance he gets. You could say maybe he deserves some of it, not the extent of it. Did they go too far? Probably. Mm-hmm. But he deserves some of it. And, you know, he rips the two of them for being soulless, having a piece missing. But he doesn't understand his own sense of all of that. His crime was being a little bit too cold and callous and arrogant. Yeah. Because he says it. He says the thing and throws it away amongst the other things that he's just like reading off of like a cue card. And I don't mean that to criticize the writing or the performance in any way. Just like, I'm talking about the character here. The character yeah. hasn't act despite his extolling effect that he went to therapy and him trying. His trying has still been half in, half out. Like, yes, he continues to go to therapy, but it doesn't really feel like he's engaging with it in a real hmm. level, right? And, and maybe that's not fair of me to judge. I don't know, but. I mean, I, I don't feel too bad about it because it's a fictional character, but like, <laughs> I, maybe it's not fair of me to judge, but it doesn't seem like he's really engaging with the process. It almost feels like he's going through the motions. Yeah. And, you know, because he says, oh, maybe, what, should I have pushed back harder against Chuck when he, uh, when he was coming down on you? And then just throws it away like all the other things he throws away. It's like, no, that's the thing. Yeah. Right? And maybe not the only thing, but it's the truest representation of what is wrong with you and why you are really no better than them. Chuck was doing something objectively wrong Hmm. to Jimmy all those years. And you had the chance to stand for what was right. And you chose not to because it was inconvenient. Yeah. So yeah. Do you deserve to die? No. Do you deserve the level of financial and career ruin? And that was done to you? No, but you deserve punishment as well something yeah yeah it's a it's a heavy show but like really just just so well done like you know is what we come to expect at this point i'm super pumped to see how they wrap this all up Uh, especially i we 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 finally got a little nod to it at the end where it fades to black and white Mm. and you get a little narration do we finally get in the back half some of that what we've been craving some of that future gene in Nebraska stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I, I mean, yes, I'm assuming that we're gonna have we're gonna have to like this is Saul's story. We're gonna find we're gonna get the the end of it. I would imagine. Better call Gene. Got it. Better call Gene. Oh man, sweet. Um, well, we'll check back in on that once it returns sometime in the end of the summer. I think mid July. Oh, okay. So not that far. Cool. Yeah, With that, like six weeks. <laughs> let us get into our flick of the week. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 
released in 1975, rated PG, with an hour and 31 minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. Very great. Accurate. Perfect description of the movie. Al, kick me off with your uh, hot take. A surreal, borderline incoherent, parodic masterpiece. Sorry, the man who was writing this review has been fired. 8 out of 10. (laughs) What would you say? Score? 8 out of 10. Right on. Uh, short and simple on this side. A masterclass in unadulterated nonsense. Nine out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe I've gone this long without seeing it. I couldn't believe it either because like, it is. It's been, I I don't know if I've ever watched it all in one. Go. Actually, I know for a fact I've never watched it all in one go. I've seen chunks of it a bunch of different times in high school. You know, like when you take like an a- like AP class and you take the AP exam in like early mid May, and then you have nothing to do for the last month of school. In one class, like <laughs> the teacher was like, "Hey, what do you guys want to do? Just let me know. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, maybe we'll learn a little bit once or twice here and there, but we're mostly just gonna let you fuck off and do whatever you want because it was a tough class." Mm-hmm. So we did that, and one of the things is like, "Oh, like I have a bunch of different movies. Throw them on some of these days when we don't have like a good plan." So they put out Monty Python. We all really enjoyed it, but it took us two or three classes to get through the whole thing. So like we watched it over the course of like three consecutive days, but it wasn't like all in one batch. Exactly. So, and that's really the last time I saw like a substantial chunk of it. So it's been like almost 15 years since I've really seen the movie. Other than like occasionally stumbling across like the black Knight scene. Cause that's really probably the best one. So wait, sorry, what scene? The Black Knight, the the one with the the Black Knight who's guarding the bridge. Oh yeah, it's and... fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that's probably most often like referenced in yeah. like, popular culture. You know, it's like, funny. I, in I didn't realize, and I'm sure I know it's said in it's probably said in like other movies and things like that. But I will very often like playing a video game, playing a board game, whatever. Like usually it's something comically competitive. I will say have at you. And I think <laughs> I may have gotten it from there at some like I because I I had seen clips and I had also seen spam a lot. Okay. Uh so like there was a lot of this wasn't new to me, but it was the the OG version of it. So it was pretty cool. But uh that is a great is a one. I thought you scene. were gonna I thought you were gonna reference there when you were saying that. I thought you were gonna say the it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> it's only a flesh wound. It was just also it, it, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> the whole the whole thing is real. It really is nonsense. What I what's amazing to me though. So I unfortunately I had to break it up into three viewings, um, just the way that my week worked. And I will say, like, even if I had watched it, it would have been a consistent hour and thirty minutes of a chuckle. Like you're just, it's just funny all the way through. And there is, they do something. They they do what they old Family Guy it a little bit. They'll overdo it. Make it funny again. For example, <laughs> Lance, was it Lance a lot? Running towards the castle after he received the the, the, oh, the message that, was, that, that, that was so good. <laughs> he's running towards the castle and then they zoom back in on the on the two knights standing outside the castle guarding, looking off and seeing him running towards them. And when they keep cutting back to from, him running from really up far the field. Away. But he keeps running from the same part of the field up the yeah, same. Yeah, they kept looping the, the same exact scene where he starts at the exact same thing, almost over the horizon, and then getting 
to like fully established in the foreground, yeah. but still very far away. And they cut five times back to it, and each time it's clearly looped because he's coming from the same spot almost over and, the horizon. And it's not even just the visual, like the sound is looped too. Like everything, yes. it's exactly the same. And I was like, okay, after the third one, I'm like, how many times are they going to do this? Then the fourth one, then the fifth one. Then the sixth one. Then he's there and he stabs one of them. And I was like, what? Yeah. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so excellent. Just a w- wonderful execution of, of nonsense. Like, it's almost like, um, I feel like if you watch like random clips of like a robot chicken, like somehow they made this cohesive story. Seth, but it's Seth really must be a huge fan of this movie because yeah. there are a lot of the same DNA in robot chicken is in this movie. And they, it's hard to say there's any other movie that's quite like this. Like at least ones that like performed. I'm not saying I don't. I have no idea what the box office like was like on this. I, I can't imagine it's huge, but it's a huge, massive cult success. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that doesn't happen with a movie that because really, like some of it's by design, but some of this like really kind of shouldn't work. Like it's very obviously disjointed, and it's hard to pick out the places where it's like, okay, this was intentional, this was accidental. And yet, somehow, like the foibles actually make it better. Mm. Yeah, it it does. There, sorry, I, I pulled up the box office numbers on IMDb, which make the way that they're listed makes no sense. But it's two hundred twenty nine thousand pounds is the estimated budget. Okay. Okay. Opening weekend, U.S. and Canada, forty five thousand dollars. But it says June seventeenth, two thousand one. That is confusing. That doesn't make any sense. Gross U.S. and Canada one point eight million. Hmm. So I wonder. I wonder if that was a re-release. Maybe, maybe. But uh, yeah. So all these like the, the but to do this right to have like oh we have this joke we want to do we have this joke we want to do we have this joke we want to do but to also stitch together a cohesive story like of like what there like there ish. is a through line cohesive ish cohesive ish <laughs> but like. By design, like that, it's kind of clunky. I feel like, and well, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to pick out what's intentional and what's accidental, right? And I, I am so curious. Like, as far as writing this movie goes, where does it? Do they write the arc and then do these ridiculous things along the way, or did they have these ridiculous skits they want to do and then find an arc to lay on top of it? I'm sure some of it is a bit of both, but my guess would be considering the way that it's ultimately delivered to you. I'm guessing they wrote out this whole epic movie, realized they were going to get a third of the funding that they needed. And they're like, okay, let's just shoot the absolute best sketches. And then we'll fuck around and figure out how to stitch together the rest. Because yeah. some of it, it was literally delivered through like an image on screen of like the flipping of pages of a book. Well, yeah. So that's the other thing, right? The style wise, like to to mix this ridiculous <laughs> or, movie with all these animations too. Yeah, so, or cartoon, like cartoon, like montages. Oh my god! And then the, one of my favorite, I think maybe one of my favorite things. I'm probably going to say this a, a number of times throughout this episode, but will be when they're fighting the monster in the cave, and the reason that they <laughs> are able to continue on their journey is because the animator died. Yeah, that's the that's the storyline. The animator dies, so now the monster doesn't exist anymore, which is brilliant. Yes, it really is. It's just so funny because it's so aware of how ridiculous it's being, and I think that just that's ends up that's what ends up making it so funny because like on top of like okay like you've already you've told me you're aware that you're being ridiculous, yet you will also commit to the bit as if you're taking yourself seriously, like. 
and I'll, for an example, the horses, <laughs> right? Riding the invisible horse is fantastic. Having somebody follow to make the sounds with coconuts, even better. <laughs> Absolutely. The absolute perfection comes into play when there's loud noises and they all pretend that their horses are afraid. <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the bushes where they, 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 dis, the they dismount from their horses. Yeah, the in dismount unison. is also in amazing. <laughs> oh my god. But it was really... Uh, also, of, I was going to say, another one of those things in the same way where it's like kind of like a background stupid thing where it's like, if this was a real production, like it would have been a thing, but because it's not, it's not. But then we break the fourth wall some is... Um, well, it was the same thing going back to the whole Lancelot getting the the note from what he thinks is a damsel in distress mm-hmm. about how he's being held against his will and forced to marry. And he fires an arrow randomly at the window, and it seems to travel about 37 miles, and yeah. it hits his horse. Yep. Slash, like, squire, square the chest. <laughs> he goes, a message, my lord. Yeah. <laughs> he sinks to the ground. <laughs> And he comes and takes the arrow out of his chest to read the message. And he goes, he goes, oh, it's such a shame that you've died. He goes, actually, I feel pretty good. I'm alive. So, 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 so unfortunate that you're mortally wounded here. No, no, I think really, if you just give me a second, I'll probably be able to regather. Surely you'll have to stay here and rest as I go and send for help. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, he, he just wanted to play the hero and and run in all on his own and he does and then he like murders like 40 people on his way up to the tower of Killed 40 people at a wedding it's the original red wedding yeah which is but like with benny hill music underneath it <laughs> <laughs> actually that's another shtick that i loved so much was the father locking the son in the tower and telling the guards to stand oh, watch God. and don't that was leave. a family guy joke <laughs> that was really good though and then the moment and yeah in family the family guy a- aspect of it is when just when like it's all explained perfectly and the guy recites it back perfectly and you're like okay thank god we're done with this but then they try to follow him out of the room i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i was getting so much anxiety during that scene <laughs> so, good. <laughs> so good and then every time the son tries to sing no, no, not like he, that. He, from off screen, from out of the room, he just busts in to stop the song over and over again. Um, there was one... Oh, actually, I have this down here. My favorite thing may be the knights who say nee. Oh my god, it's so fucking stupid. And yet it's also one of the most perfect distillations of the stupidity of this. Yes, yeah, like the funny stupid of this. It movie. shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be. But it is but hilarious. Is. And the I think like again, like it builds because first off, they're saying it, and for whatever reason it's it's physically affecting Yeah, they start they start the shrinking nights, and cowering right? and like wincing each successive knee that's said. The then to, when they return with their shrubbery, they are no longer the knights who say knee. But the knights who formerly said "ni," which was a great callback. But when when he goes, we're no longer the knights who say "ni." One of them in the background goes "ni." <laughs> I don't think I don't think I noticed that. <laughs> and I just 
it was just so so absurd, and I, I I can't even remember what they what they say that they say now. Well, I would say actually, even going back, what's good great is okay. They're the knights that they need. Everyone knows about them, and it's terrible and it's horrifying. But no one else has thought to deploy the power of the knee. Yeah, even the knights outside of the knights who say knee, except when they go back to some random shit town to get a shrubbery. And they say that they're coming on behalf of the knights who say knee, and the old woman's just, oh god! Yeah. And some other guy comes up and goes, "What? What? Yeah, you know, what horrible times! What? What's this world come to when when random strangers will say knee to a random to a to a poor old lady?" <laughs> it's like, yo, hang on a second, we're just trying to get this shrubbery. He goes, "Oh well, yeah, no, I make shrubberies. <laughs> Can you give us one? No, knee. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I like and they come the- back." I don't remember. Did they say they said some? Was it nay or something like that, or nigh? I don't. Do they? They? they I, no, it's like some were... really long, ridiculous. Oh yeah, thing. Uh, and, and he goes, he goes. We're oh, not going to call you that. Oh, knights who formerly said nay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, was great. Said then, some other like fifteen syllable long thing to only uh, to only unveil that they uh, if you say the word it they cowered the same way that everybody and. That whole back and forth of like, how can I stop saying it if I don't know what it is that I'm saying? No, you said oh, it again. He's saying it again. <laughs> ah, he's saying it. Now I'm saying it. I've said it three times. <laughs> uh, and I don't know what it is about that stupidity that it just it just resonates. I so love of the it. stupid uh, of the stupid call and response jokes, actually, my favorite one was, and I don't remember the names. I don't know if it was Gawain or if it was. Which of the other knights it was? Who was the one who was supposed to be like the bravest of them all? <laughs> Sir Robin. The one... Oh, maybe it was Sir Robin, yeah. Sir Robin with, with his favorite minstrel. With his favorite minstrel, and the minstrel singing the song about Sir his Robin brave heroics. Robin turns his tail and runs. Well, you know, but it starts with him singing these, the, 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 like the, the epic songs of how brave and true and courageous he is. And it's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous, but somehow he just continues on this song in a running sentence. And then they flee from that weird three-headed, like, monster thing. And he turns into the thing. So Robin turns and flees. And he yeah. to save his hide. Yeah. You know, this thing. Is, Shut up! That's not how it happened! You know? <laughs> but he just keeps following him and keeps singing it every time he shows up. And it's like, how hasn't he killed him at this point? And he just keeps coming up with more clever ways to keep talking about how much of a coward he is. <laughs> uh, there is... There's a lot of great like one-liners like within that stuff too, and like one of the things I wrote it down a specific, a very specific quote that I don't know why, but I burst out laughing. I think it was mostly the delivery, and also it was like an obscure, uh, like thing to call somebody. But when the knights are at the mouth of the cave and the beast is there, and the beast is that little rabbit, mm-hmm. one of the knights goes to the whatever the guy is with the hordes. He's like. You tit! I soiled my armor. I was so scared, and just the <laughs> the idea of just calling him a tit for some reason was yeah. so funny to me. And then only well, to find out that the funny British thing, yeah, but only to find out that the funny it's murderous fiend. Well, well, such a tremendous thing is like, okay, ha, huh, it's funny, it's a rabbit, and I'm sure, yeah, no, we're gonna find that this is one of those things where it's the setup is that it's not actually that intimidating. But then the way they do it, which A, is so ridiculous, so bad mm-hmm. puppetry, but also is so egregiously, unnecessarily violent, it's hysterical. I was dying laughing as this thing is eviscerating this fucking coterie of knights, 
And it's like super bloody and gory. It's the only bloody and gory scene in the whole thing, really, other yeah. than the fight between the Black Knight and the uh, the other Hedge Knight and and when uh, King Arthur ultimately chops up the uh, the Black Knight. Mm. Um, I love the whole side quest at the right at the peak of that whole thing, the side quest to, to go get the, the holy hand grenade of the holy hand grenade of Agda something littering and littering and the holy hand grenade of Antioch. Antioch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) And then they have the whole instruction manual that, that the stupid reading of the instruction manual thou thouest shall on the count of three, not on the count of one, nor of two, nor of four, nor on the count of five. Six is too much, nor on the count of seven, three, the count being three, three. I like <laughs> Get on with it. Like, not on two, unless that two is preceding three. <laughs> yes, not on two, unless that thou shall go on from two, two, three. <laughs> and then Arthur, for some reason, can't count to three. He keeps counting to five. Yo, I don't understand, like... I feel like I'm like did I I was wondering did I miss something earlier on I I know I I spotted him doing this at least like four times in the movie but like was there like an original part in the movie where he can't where he's confusing five and three that I'm forgetting about I don't remember I just know in that sequence he does it a couple of different times yes one two five three three (laughs) (laughs) well then later he says the five of us no the three of us sir I fought in your general direction. (laughs) Oh my god, the French soldier is tremendous. He also has one of the other most quotable lines of the movie that I've heard a million times. That I heard a million times before I ever saw the movie, and when I saw it, I was like, oh god, he said it, was, he goes, your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now that was, that was John Cleese also, right? Was it? I think so. I know he I plays multiple remember. characters in the movie. Well, uh, they all do, I think. Yeah. But yeah, John John Cleese plays the the shaman or witch or whatever what he was wizard. Um, he plays um, the Lancelot, and he plays a couple other characters too, I think. But uh, I, I couldn't remember. I, I actually couldn't tell between the accent and the helmet and the mustache who that was. It, mm. it might have been him. The shape of the face was about right. Uh, another um, another favorite of mine was the bridge. Was it the bridge of death? The bridge. Of death that was over the gorge of peril. Yeah, and the whole you have to answer these questions three. It's like, <laughs> what is your three. name? Oh, that's what it was. He goes, we have to answer five questions. Three, my lord. Three, my lord. What is your name, Sir Lancelot of Camelot? What is your quest? I seek the Holy Grail. What is your favorite color? Blue. You may pass. And he runs. Oh, that's not so bad. And they, they, they're all like, oh, that's not so bad. They all get, run to get in line. <laughs> What was the question they asked? The third question he goes again, the same thing. What was, is the what, capital of something? Yeah, what's the, ca- <laughs> what's the capital of Iraq or something? Was that what it was? I don't even remember. <laughs> and then kills him. And then um, it's great. That was actually probably of all of the stupid, stupid jokes that they set up and pay off at the end. Mm-hmm. Asking the question about how many pounds or how fast can a swallow fly? And he asks back to him. Is it a European African. or an African swallow? Yeah. And the I don't bridge know. keeper dies. <laughs> and it's like, sir, how do you know so much about these things? <laughs> I can't must great, know. It's such a great callback to earlier on when uh, he's a, the, the, they're trying to get into the first castle to talk to whatever knight it was or lord. Mm. And uh, the two idiot guards on top of the wall who 
<laughs> keep, you know, asking about where'd you get the coconut from? Again, breaking the fourth wall of yeah. the whole coconut guy, like doing the, the horse clopping sound. He goes, I, I just found it. What are you talking about? Well, how did it get here? The, those aren't native to, to, the, to, to England. I, I don't know. Maybe a bird brought it. It's been often well known that swallows can migrate back and forth. <laughs> uh, that coconut's entirely too large for a, uh, a European swallow. <laughs> I think you've always the, the airspeed of a swallow, how many like times they'd have to beat its wings. What's the weight it could carry? Could we possibly string a line between two swallows to carry one coconut? <laughs> That's all that, to pay that off at the end with the bridge of death, like that was just obscene. Um, and also Pretty within wonderful. that sequence... The one night where they ask him what his favorite color was, he gets it wrong. <laughs> yeah, because he, he just answers what the other guy answered. Yeah, he goes blue. blue. I mean, ah! I mean, he goes, he goes. Wait, no, it's not. It's green. And then he dies. <laughs> Why <would> he? <laughs> so stupid. The um, the other thing that we haven't touched on is the modern day detectives trying to figure out what's going on from scene Such to scene. Such a stupid, stupid the, like. While I think that that whole thing is stupid, except it has two incredible payoffs. So early on when they did it, I was like, "This is dumb. I don't care." But the pay, the big, the, the first the big first payoff, time, the first time when the narrator gets killed, that was funny. No, that was funny. But the thing that really got that, the thing that made me laugh was when Lancelot is being patted down, but they don't know where he is, <laughs> and he's like hands on the cop car, and they're they're patting him down. That really got me. And then two. To really lean into it, round everybody up at the end so that before they could storm the castle, and then just end the movie was yes, chef's kiss. Yeah, because during the interlude, it's just like okay, haha, like they they're doing a murder investigation. Yeah, I, I, I should it, I should clarify not not end the movie, end the movie as if they've run out of budget, but then continue on for three minutes with a loop soundtrack and no credits <laughs> because the credits were at the beginning of the movie. That's true. It's so there's nothing at the end. It's just a black screen for two yeah. and a half minutes while music plays. Well, they had already licensed. It's, ama- it's amazing. <laughs> the credits were the credits got me too. I know. I it, I've seen the opening credits one time, so I mm. totally forgot. I thought I was at first. I thought because I I was watching it on Netflix on like the main TV and like the family room. I had the same thing. I thought I had the subtitles on. Well, because well specifically because my sister watches with the subtitles. I don't. So I was like, oh, she left the subtitles on and they're in Swedish? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I literally paused, clicked on the thing, and I was like, okay, no, it says English and the subtitles are off. Did Netflix play a joke and like upload a bootleg? I was like, oh, this just must be a part of the movie. And the movie's literally trolling us, and I totally forgot about all of this. Mm. And then he gets the whole thing about, I'm so sorry about the subtitles being incorrect. We fired the, uh, the crew who did the subtitles. It's... Uh- I had the same thought, but it was Swedish, and then I was like, Swedish, because then I realized I could read it, and it was, like, just being silly, and it was no, using No, no, at first, at first, it's, it's, at first, it was really Swedish, yeah. and then eventually, it, it, it becomes, changes. It's like, not Spanglish, but Swede, it's Swedeglish? Swedeglish? <laughs> Ingweed? Oh, wow. English. Um... <laughs> The sequence with God was pretty funny, um, where they have the weird animated like South Park talking head yep. thing, where like the mouth moves yep. like that. Um, I love. Or was it, actually, I don't remember. Is it God or is it supposed to be Saint Peter? Oh, 
Do they I ever actually say it's God? I don't, I don't remember. I feel like they said it was God. Yes, they said it was God because God specifically told them to go on the mission. And that's, that's right. Okay. They they, keep but that's later. It was a, like a later scene where he says like God himself like told yeah. us to do this or whatever. But um, that scene was was pretty funny, especially when you like. He goes, oh, that's actually a pretty good idea. He goes, uh, duh, I know. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's God's idea, dipshit. Like it. Is. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, there, there's the the scene with the witch burning mm-hmm. was great. Um, <laughs> just the twisted logic, the bastardization of the transitive property, where. <laughs> If a duck can float and a witch can float, then a witch weighs the same thing as a duck. <laughs> and that whole twisted logic, which is hysterical, but like, even though it was horrible process, they get to the right answer. Mm-hmm. But the scale shows that the woman and the duck weigh the same. Yeah. <laughs> they go and burn her. <laughs> witch. Oh my god. That's so, it's, it's, she turned it's me into absurd. a newt. She turned you into a newt. I got better. uh when they were in the cave and i forget one of the knights is like ah and it's like oh ah it's like uh, it's like not that surprising no ah as in uh oh you mean ah (laughs) (laughs) no no arg maybe they're talking about the kingdom of arg Man, what a this was an absolute treat. I I am curious, have you seen many of their other things? No, I've never seen any of the, I I I've seen the odd clip or two from other stuff, but not enough to um to talk hmm. about really. Uh, this is the okay. only one I've seen substantially. I'm curious if if I should if I should spend my time on some of those other There's a bunch because... of them. The the only other one that I know by name is Life of Brian. Hmm. Isn't there meaning but of life also? Um, maybe. Let me see if I can pull up what they've got here. Is that the Life of Brian, or maybe it's just a mini lab? That is one, for sure. Okay. <clears throat> Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, Life of that's Brian. Right. I've heard of that one. The Meaning of Life. Uh, old. Meaning of Life, Life of Brian. Is that really, maybe that's, is that, that can't, is that it? I feel like there would be more than that. I thought there was a couple of other odds and ends, but I think those are like the, the movies. Okay. Um. But uh, <clears throat> yeah. I don't what know, what one... is Monty Python like a like a comedy troupe? I think so. Okay, I think it's that group of guys. I think yeah. they're in all. It's Ter- Terry Gilliam and John Cleese and um, I forget the other guys' names, but like those are the two big ones. Terry Terry Gilliam's directed a bunch of stuff. Um, John Cleese, the most famous actor of all of them. Um, yeah. So Graham Chapman, the guy who played King Arthur. <clears throat> um. Eric Idle, who I think was in A Fish Called Wanda with uh, John Cleese. Isn't he in it? I think actually maybe two of these guys might have been in it. Oh, okay. Um, man. <laughs> John Cleese and Rat Race. Oh, I know. So, uh, I, I was watching that not too long ago. Commence, uh, start moving. Uh, technically, <laughs> Mr. Schaefer is winning, and you've all, you've all been racing for about... Uh, 30 seconds now, and technically Mr. Schaefer's winning because he's nearest to the door. <laughs> uh, that, that's it? Go. <laughs> you can't just give away $2 million. Of course I can. I'm eccentric. <laughs> 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 
Uh, the only other sketch I think we didn't really touch on in this one, um, which early on was kind of aggravating to me, and then I thought was had a really funny payoff, was um, I forget which of the knights goes to um, the castle where it's all of the, uh, it's like the convent, basically. Oh, that's like right. The, the virgin women, and, mm-hmm. and there's always this miscommunication, and the men never stick around. And yeah, he's like so, like, got such a fervor for finding the grail because he thinks he sees it in like <laughs> a hallucination over the castle. And it turns out that someone turned on the, the, the chalice, the like, grail shaped chalice. Like that. Yeah. The, the, the grail shaped chalice, whatever it was. And um, there's all this innuendo around it. And then when he finally realizes, Oh wait, the grail isn't here. And all of these, I literally have to fuck my way through this entire <laughs> room full of like gorgeous virgin women. And then all the other knights come up to save him. And he goes, no, really, I'm quite okay. <laughs> no, don't worry. We'll cover your escape. As two of them are willing to die so that they can drag him out because he has a, a small wound. He goes, I think I'll be okay, guys. <laughs> no, no, as they're dragging him, kicking and screaming from the... Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so silly. So silly. I love it. Well, thank you for bringing this one to my attention. I'm glad that we were able to do it. I'm glad that you were able to... Uh... I'm glad that the last two weeks I was able to to uh, impart upon you two of the, the, the great older comedies, I think, um, between this and uh, Dirty Ron Scoundrels. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I got, we did Reservoir Dogs last week, so I was like... Oh, sorry. Last two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>